What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Cooldown Time. My name's Marco. I'm your graphically outdated host. Joining me is the technical mess of the show, Pablo. Pablo, we have another action-packed week of, of gaming discourse to unpack with the state of play. Now in the rear view, some interesting information about Xbox's third-party strategy we have to circle back to, and some new games we're playing. But uh, before we get to all that, Pablo, how you doing, man? Yeah. I'm uh, surviving here. Uh, I feel a little bit like I'm uh, getting sick live on TV. Oh, oh or live on TV. What the fuck I'm thinking? Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm I was going to say, where are you I, It just it feels like uh, it's coming down pretty hard. But other than that, man, work is mm. uh, is uh, beginning to test me in ways that I was not prepared for as a human or uh, an alien, depending mm. on how you look at it. Um, and that's that, man. Uh, life is good, though, besides that. How about you, man? How's it going with you? <laughs> All right, that was the most unconvincing life is good I've life ever heard in my life, bro. Fantastic. You don't have to eat. Listen, we're family. We're family. You can tell us if you're not doing all right, man. It's okay. You know, we're here for you. We're here for therapy, uh, at least for the next hour and, and a half or so. Morse and we'll code. probably let you deal with it yourself. Mm. Yep. Blink twice. Um, yeah, man. Um, I'm with you on, on the busy life situation. Uh, you know, just a lot going on. People getting sick left and right. I just got over being sick. So it's just been, it's, it's been a, yeah, it's been a time. But uh, hanging in there pretty good. Uh, we got, we're in February. We got, you know, we mm-hmm. got Valentine's Day coming up here pretty soon. Got a little icebreaker question for you uh, when it comes to the world of romancing in video games, Pablo. Because I, I, I want to know. And you think back about all the characters that you've uh, that you have done the romancing with in in video games, who is the one that you loved the most? I'm gonna steal your shit. I'm gonna steal it right from your uh, Rolodex of love interest, and that's Jack from Mass Effect Two. Uh, <laughs> that's my baby girl, misunderstood in every which way possible, uh, but she's the best. Uh, I love her with all my heart, Jack shows up no interest in 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 romancing her and and i guess because i'm a broken person i was like i can fix you i can fix you (laughs) yeah that was that's probably the one i had like the like the biggest like emotional reaction to and i was like i'm gonna make her mine type of type of thing yeah god man and now now part two of that question is what would be the one romance option that you had that you had instant regret for? What was the one you're like, oh, um, I shouldn't have did that, thinking back. Oh, man, that's that a good one. Uh, probably going to go ahead. Uh, man, I'm probably going to go ahead and pick Jack. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. No, um, I, it's actually cheap because I, I, I want to say another character from... Uh, from Mass Effect. Mass Effect. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Miranda. Oh. Yeah. Miranda Lawson. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. When I picked Miranda, uh, second playthrough, picked Miranda this time around. Instant regret. 
hated everything about her mm. as a person, mm. as where she where she came from, uh, as as, as it, it just it was just like not compared. I hated her, uh, but mm. yeah, okay. But I feel like that's a cheat, yeah. but I mean, when you look at relationships in games, I don't think any other game has done it as good as Mass Effect. So yeah, I mean. <laughs> One game we're going to be talking about pretty soon is not going to have any romancing oh, at all, boy. which is uh, we're going we're to be unpacking that That's one. But, uh, you know, look, um, we, we are friends. We've been friends for a long time. So it's it's only uh, it, it's it's only understandable that we would be uh, video game Eskimo brothers with that because uh, <laughs> it's the same thing, same, th- same reasons, same same. I can save her mentality mm-hmm. and everything. Uh, she was just so dynamic as a character uh, in the beginning that it was just like i i'm just so intrigued about her she's just so against the grain um i want to know her for the rest of my life you know and then you know you end up you know kind of peeling back the layers and you see that oh there's a really vulnerable person underneath it all yeah and it just it turned into one of those things where it's like yeah this is kind of the one the one that makes the most sense to me it was satisfying uh, so, yeah, a satisfying I, relationship yeah. yeah no regrets at all uh, as far as who I did regret, um, <laughs> I don't know if it's any one specific person, but anytime it's with like, especially if it's a sci-fi game, if it's with like an alien species and then I kind of see how they start doing their thing, it's just kind of like, oh, that, that kind of feels like that would hurt. You know, like you're all, you got, you got a bunch of scales and stuff all over your body and you're trying to smash with, with a human and it's, yeah, you're going to need some band-aids. You're going to need some ointment on that ass. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, you know what I'm talking about, right? I know what I'm talking about. But uh, yeah, it would probably be any anybody that's like overtly like super alien species, like to the point where it's like, oh, that doesn't even look like that would work between the two whatsoever. Like I like Garrus to death, but like if, if I ever picked him as a romance option, if I was Femshep, I would be afraid for my uterus if I was in that position. <laughs> Look, I actually, I actually have one that's not Mass Effect, just to kind of even it out in okay. terms of a, a regret. Talk it's Cassandra me. from. Uh, oh the, my uh, god, that's a good choice. Dragon Age, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dragon Age Inquisition, where it's like, okay, you know, I also kind of felt that same. She's misunderstood. She's mm. very much by the book, and like she wants everything to be done in, in 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 the way she wants it to be done, and the same thing. And then when you when you start, you know, you're you're romancing her, you fe- you realize. She's just an asshole. Like she's yeah, just dude. not really like she's not. She's un. She doesn't want to bend in any way, shape, or form. You know what I mean? <laughs> Very uh, no, no. But seriously, Pillow it was princess, kind of one of those things where I was like, <laughs> uh, so Cassandra would be the regret. Yeah, that's a good choice. That's a good choice. All right. All right. Well, you know, uh, hopefully that was a fun little exercise to get us up and running for this week's episode uh speaking of this episode we have a lot of ground to cover dude so let's not waste any time let's dive right into the segment dedicated to the games we've been playing since our listeners last heard from us that's called loadouts let's go all systems nominal loadouts ready all right man i'm actually going to kick off loadouts this week because i want to talk a little bit about uh persona 3 reload which uh just came out uh, it is available pretty much on all the consoles. It's also, if you happen to be an Xbox user, it's on Game Pass as well. Day one drop, which is really good. Uh, and I've been putting in uh, a decent amount of time into that game. I think I'm about 12 hours in right now. So I've been getting pretty busy with that. Uh, so I, I, I have... Um, oh, okay. It might be a little surprising, but I guess I kind of have a little bit of mixed feelings about the game. Um, I think that it's been kind of hard to really get into it so far. Um, I think that 
I, I, I can definitely acknowledge that the quality of life improvements, the overhauled visuals, and the updated mechanics really do uh, lend themselves well to this game as far as being a remake is concerned. But I also think that there's a lot of missed opportunities that this remake had to um, refine and update other parts of the game that I think could have been done better, uh, that have been done better in Personas 4 and 5, um, that this game just still kind of lags behind in. And I think those two categories for me are both narrative and also the uh the gameplay loop essentially um the narrative for me i think the the premise is really cool the premise of the game is basically uh there is a hidden 25th hour of the day that exists called the dark hour and only a select few individuals are able to experience this period of time while everyone else kind of goes into this weird stasis and they're in this this coffin uh, and they have no awareness of the fact that there's an extra hour in the day. But this dark hour is also home to a dangerous um, enemies, like you know, shadows like, like from the other games. And there's also a mysterious uh, giant structure called the Tartarus uh, that you um, and your team of, of fellow characters who can, um, you know, move around and navigate through this 25th hour can go explore and fight through uh, to kind of unravel the mysteries of what's going on with this whole situation and also juggle your school life uh, along the way as well in typical persona fashion. So it, it does a decent job of setting up the premise, much like the the first Persona 3 did. Um, I just think that the missed opportunity comes from how thin the, the, the writing is in the early goings, especially when it comes to character development, getting you to really get to know your, your fellow uh, companions pretty well um, and even the side characters the, the the other people that are around the town that you can meet and talk to and spend your time with throughout the day uh, they're not very well fleshed out in, in many cases there are a couple of exceptions but I just think that the writing is very sluggish and a lot of times I kind of felt like man I don't know what I'm I don't know what I'm supposed to be kind of latching on to right now it just feels like narratively it's just very very thin even even the premise of like why we should be stopping this dark hour thing and this Tartarus thing um, doesn't really feel very um, well done in a way where I think Persona 5 do a much better job of kind of setting the table and giving you a clearer sense of direction and purpose. So I just wish that more could have been done to get the writing up to speed with what I think 4 and 5 really excel at. And I think it's yeah, that was a you yeah, go ahead good. That was a fear of mine because I was like I know that 5 is the newest entry in the Persona series mm. and I'm sure that they've gotten better with all, everything including graphical fidelity but specifically writing. So I was like I wonder if the writing is going to hold up in a game that's not the one even previous this is the one the one previous to, yeah. to four, so I wonder if the writing was going to be any good. If the the story narrative, the concept, mm-hmm. if, if they were going to be as interesting as four and five. That was one of my things where I was heading into the game. I was like, I wonder if this would be that good. But no, you answer a lot of those questions right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, you know, P- Persona Three to me was really when I think the series found its calling, like in terms of visuals and style and music and mechanics and structure. Um, and as nice as it is to revisit those things, um, you know. Know, all these years later uh, with the remake, I, I do think that it, it does kind of expose a lot of the things that were still kind of um, 
infantile about the, 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 the formula that I think four and five went on to do a much better job of accomplishing. And that's all subjective. That's just me, though. Um, I think the biggest issue that I have, though, was, is with Tartarus. And anyone who's played the original Persona 3 uh, in, in good length or, or finish it will tell you that, that Tartarus is um, one of the more contentious aspects of the original game. Some people love it. Some people hate it. It's essentially, for those of you who played Persona 5, it's, it's like Mementos. But it, it is, it, instead of being this kind of like ancillary piece of the game, it is kind of the main focus. So it is that procedurally generated kind of thing where all the hallways and corridors kind of look the same for the most part. They do ch- they do change things up with different like parts of this this place called Tartarus, but it's still by and large is very templated and it's not very interesting to explore. Um, they, they do try to spruce things up a little bit with giving you more things to discover and find in that place compared to the original Persona 3, but it's still an absolute slog to work through and, and I kind of find myself losing interest uh, the more I kind of get stuck playing it. It's, it's just a lot of like, go to the next floor, find the stairs that take you to the next floor. Oh, here's a little mini boss area. Now go to the next floor. And that's just kind of what you do until the game blocks you off until certain narrative events happen outside of the dark hour. And it just Mm. doesn't, I just wish that they weren't so like, while I, while I respect the fact that they're paying homage to the original format of persona three and they didn't want to rock the boat too much with too many drastic changes. I think some of that stuff still feels too archaic to have kind of poured it over to this remake. And I just wish they would have been a little bit more brave to kind of reinvent things a bit more than they did with this. So while I'm having a good time for all the reasons why I love persona, the combat's still fun. The, you know, the style is still you know great. The music's still awesome. I just think that again, it's just a lot of missed opportunities to really take persona three and, and bring it to the level of Persona 4 and 5 that just doesn't quite get there for me other than visuals and music I think is really good but um, okay. I'm not sure if I'm going to stick with it to be honest um, I, I, did, I have put a good chunk of time into it so I, I would like to keep pushing through but it's it, the, the Tartarus thing dude it's it's just not grabbing me anymore it, that, that can yeah, that's my least favorite part of, of uh, Persona 5 was Mementos and this is all that basically as the, yeah. as the main focus and, and that was that was acceptable back in the day but I think Persona has evolved beyond that now, and I think JRPGs have evolved beyond the procedurally generated grind uh, type of yeah. thing now. And I just wish that there was a little bit more meat on the bone there that, that kept me that would keep me interested. But you know, it's it's not a bad game if you love the original. I think there's a lot to like about this game. Uh, I know people offline who are really enjoying it so far. Uh, so you know, it's definitely not a bad remake. It's just that if you're looking for something that kind of pushes this into the the modern day all the way doesn't quite do that uh it's still kind of teetering on being a little too old school but you know making you know strides with the presentation to make that feel new school which is it's something so uh that's kind of where i'm at with that one um while i'm already on a roll pablo i'll kind of tag in uh with some like a dragon infinite wealth um discourse as well um you know i i didn't get a lot of time with the game when we first um you know talked about it last week uh, i i just got in the game i was only a couple hours in um <clears throat> i <laughs> i hate to be a broken record with, with you know back-to-back games that i'm kind of not really loving but surprisingly infinite wealth hasn't really clicked for me uh too much and it, it is kind of at a point where i did decide to at least for the time being to bounce off the game um, I think it's a great game at its core, um, but I think the series is 
heading in a unique direction that doesn't really speak to me as a day one Yakuza fan. Um, I think it, it still has all the pillars of what I think makes the series special. It still has the melodrama. It still has the quirkiness. It still has the tradition. It still has creativity. I just think that those four pillars are executed in a very bloated and overly um, ostentatious way that kind of pulls those those pillars too far apart from one another, which makes this game feel very... Um, like more is better, but in a way that kind of feels more disjointed, more cluttered, and a little bit more directionless to me. Um, I think in a lot of ways, it, it feels like a very commercialized, mainstream-friendly rendition of the formula. Um, in older Yakuza or Like a Dragon games, I think there was a superb balance of seriousness and silliness that never allowed one to overshadow the other, even to a point where I think if, if you really wanted to avoid the weird, you could, you could fully do that and just stick to the melodrama, stick to the main quest and, you know, get your serious story on. This game, I think that it feels like RGG Studio wanted the weirdness to be the star of the show. Um, because that's what seems to be drawing larger audiences to the series. So it just feels like the game is constantly going to extremes to be as perpetually weird or funny as humanly possible. But I think by the time I was in outlandish situation number 516, <laughs> you know, like th yeah. the game just kind of started to become a bit grating to me. And I, and I think that's probably why, if I had to wager, why they went so serious as cancer with their plot beats um, with like more heart to hearts and more of the, you know, serious as cancer yep. stuff <laughs> um, to kind of counteract the quirkiness. But it's just, to me, it's a little bit more crudely done than it has been in previous games. And it feels a little bit more sloppy and sluggish and not as cohesive as I'm used to for the series. So it was a little off-putting, to be honest. Yeah, I think your mileage will vary on, on how much you can tolerate uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, I think that the series goes the way the protagonist goes. And I think that uh, Kasuga Ichiban is an innately more naive and sillier character than, than Kiryu. So at that point, you're definitely seeing a lot more of the weird out front because right. of Ichiban and, and how and how he is uh, portrayed within the game. So I definitely see where you're coming from. I, I will say this. Uh, as the game goes on, and there's some narrative shifts uh, with with when, uh, when the game starts to focus on Kiryu, that that the game actually goes back to that same kind of tone that we all know from zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, and I think that there is a there is there's a disjointment there going from Ichiban's story to Kiryu's story that doesn't quite fully. Uh, it's not as cohesive as I would like it to be. I'm in the thralls right now of the Ichiban of the sorry, the Kiryu story, and I'm loving it, but there is that kind of disjointness where it's like, man, just a couple hours ago I was doing some silly ass shit. And so I'm not here. But I will say the more I played the game, uh, the more I, I I am I'm loving it. I I do see what you're saying, and I and I when you first kind of told me how you felt about the game, I was a little antagonistic towards just the overall uh, thought process of how silly the game is. Because I'm like, yeah, but you know, like a dragon was silly. Uh, Seven like was this, pretty though. silly. Yeah, and I think I think the more you play the game, and then when you look at what they're trying to tell with the story, I think that the the tonal shifts are too drastic. You know, you yeah. find out Kiryu has cancer, and then 
two seconds later you're doing something absolutely silly and yeah. and, 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 and writing a segue around the town and and, and, yeah. and so those kind of things don't ever feel like uh, like again the word is cohesiveness there isn't a cohesiveness to the story uh, but can I interject real quick? Out. Can I interject? Yeah, yeah. Because I, sure. I, I want to, yeah, I want to clarify that I think part of my dislike of that is also when it comes to Hawaii itself. Um, I think, I think part of why I loved Yakuza and Like a Dragon is that the setting in Japan was kind of, to me, it was perfect for every world building lever that they wanted to pull. Like, I think that it made it made the Yakuza's presence feel appropriate. The weird people there felt like they belonged there. The sense of culture was on point. There was like a real lived in feel of that world that was believable. But I think in this depiction of Hawaii, it feels like all that's gone and it, everything from the NPCs to the gang presence feels like really bizarre and out of place. Like it's a very overly sensationalized, exaggerated version of America as like Japanese people see us, but like not in an intentionally satirical way. Um, and, and a lot of people are going to say, well, that's the point. It's supposed to be ridiculous. But I, I think that that's kind of an excuse in some ways. Um, like, they, like, oh, it's supposed to be odd and out of place because it's a silly game. But I think to me, again, that just kind of circles back to my point of like, I just think that this was done better previously, um, where it feels like the setting is, is a big part of what kind of um, disconnects for me um, with this whole tonal shift that happens. But anyway, which, we get the floor back to you. Which, now, which literally beautifully leads into my next point, which is my biggest complaint about this game is Hawaii. Really, uh, it feels like a full Hawaii. It doesn't ever, not you know, it doesn't really feel like. Uh, it doesn't have the personality of Camarocho. No, it just never does. It just feels like another version of Camarocho. I think visually, it's a much needed new scenery for the franchise. You know, I think that being in this area is is in in Hawaii is cool, but I this could have easily been another place in Japan. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that no nothing the story tells you is distinctly Americana where it needed to be told here. You know, uh, I, I think trying to kind of, um, I, I, there, it's true that Japan, there's an obsession with Hawaii. And I think that bleeds over into the game because there was this kind of movement to make uh, Kiryu, I mean, to make uh, uh, Ichiban half Hawaiian all of a sudden, uh, which kind of came out of nowhere. So it, it, these little things like that, where it's like, I know they were, what they were trying to do, but it never feels good. It never feels like the game in, in terms of like uh, the, the scene, scenery, doesn't ever feel as great. So much so that when you go back to Kamurocho as Kiryu, it feels like home. You know, it feels like, oh, I'm finally where I want to be. And it, that kind of, that's kind of what kind of woke me up to like, oh, I've never really, I've never felt like Hawaii felt like Hawaii or felt much different from, from, from Kamurocho. It just felt like, man, that's such a huge Japan um, influence in, in Hawaii mm. to the point where everybody speaks Japanese and everybody's <laughs> Japanese or everybody's half Japanese and Yakuza's everywhere. So that kind of stuff does take me out of it. And, it, and I, I didn't really see it real until I, I got to the deeper into the Kiryu stuff where it's like, oh man, this really does feel kind of like Hollywood version or faux Hawaii it never feels real so yeah. and, and, and Kamurocho is not a real place but it, 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 it's it, based it's, on one and it's you can based feel on something a lot of similarities right. feel it, it feels like they're not going for an exaggerated version of it per se it does feel like right. true to form in a way whereas right. this exactly. is like an adult swim version of Hawaii that I didn't know yeah it, I was it really get. it's yeah, it's really like it's really silly and, and, and the commentary on Americans are so fucking just the stuff you hear 
in everything, you know, yeah. bit fatter hamburgers, you know, and shit like that. Oh, everything really is bigger in, in America, stuff like that. You know, comments that are made throughout the game that are, but yeah, nothing about the game really yells that it needs to be based on in in America. But yeah, man, I, I I after all said and done though, I do feel like the game is really really good. I think that the story and the narrative that's being told is super interesting. I think that especially uh, the way I don't want to spoil too much on the curious section because I don't know if you're completely you're not you're not done with the game per se you just don't know if you're gonna go back right you know so i i rather not say because that's the most interesting stuff for me and what they're doing with that story um but i i i like i like where they're going with it i i I really am enjoying my time with it uh i think a lot of the mechanics that i talked about last week still kind of hold true and and are are really interesting and and really make the experience a really fun and, and and not new but at the it has new enough to where it feels like a whole new game you know in that sense so i'm really enjoying it still but uh, it's a long game so i'm still kind of plugging away at it i'll I'll have more to say as time goes on especially when i reach end game uh but that's kind of all that i'm playing i will say this though guys next week i will be talking about um kill the justice league uh, so stay tuned uh, mm. once I uh, play a little bit through that to see how bad that game actually is uh, okay. my brother is playing through it and he's enjoying it quite a bit so mm. uh, we'll see we'll see if that kind of translates over to me and, and, and how I enjoy the game but uh, we'll talk about it next week very interesting because I'm going to have a live service game on my docket as well it won't be that but it will be something uh, so okay. we'll, we'll be talking about it. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of what we got going on for loadouts this week. Um, I will say, though, you know, before we move on, I, I don't want to sound insufferable. I think both Persona 3 Reload and, and Infinite Wealth are both very, very good games. Uh, I just think for me personally, subjectively, um, they're just kind of not what I quite had in mind. So it's a bit of a disconnect for me. But in no way am I saying, oh, no, I think these games are actually bad. Um, but, you know, uh, that's just that's just my, my two cents. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And I'd love to talk more about it. But. <laughs> Everything that I love about this game is so narrative driven that it would really just wouldn't. Oh, it, I bet. I, it yeah. would be unfair to, to Marco and the audience for me to keep to to really talk about what I'm liking about the game because it's it's all narrative at this point, you know. For sure. All right, man. Well, that's gonna do it for loadouts this week. Uh, why don't we go ahead and dive right into the news segment of the show that we call Hit Points for breaking news, rumors, and booty juice. It's time for Hit Points. All right, man. So here we are, new segment of the show, and what would a new segment of the show be without some Xbox headlines, right? Um, We have two, uh, to be exact (laughs) here, and we're going to talk about each of them. I'm going to go ahead and kick things off first with what is uh, definitely the biggest topic uh, of the week, and really of the last few weeks, to be honest, and that is uh, an update about the whole Xbox going third-party situation, Uh, because Pablo, an employee of ZeniMax, recently revealed that Sarah Bond will reportedly lift the veil regarding Xbox's controversial third-party strategy in spring. Now, while he didn't get into details about the reason for the strategy, he did divulge that this decision is purely metrics-driven, with absolutely none of the online discourse uh, against this strategy being considered at all. Uh, Interestingly, the interview with this employee was deleted, though, uh, and some are questioning the validity of his claims. But then again, 
even more evidence surfaced that Xbox's third-party strategy is most certainly in motion because a recent data mine discovery of Hi-Fi Rush has revealed that there are new in-game shirts that Chai can wear that both allude to coming to PlayStation and Nintendo, complete with blue and red color schemes to boot. So naturally, the discourse and the dismay uh, was reignited about Xbox's all-but-confirmed third-party strategy. So Pablo... I thought this would be a good time for us to kind of circle back again and revisit this topic. And I want to ask you, you know, a couple of poignant questions here. I want, I want your take on this, and I want to know how this is affecting your perception of Xbox. And if any of this stuff at all is maybe putting your trust in Xbox in question in any way, shape, or form. So, floor is yours. Go wherever you want to go with this. Yeah, um, so right now, I'm in a wait-and-see pattern in terms of in terms of how I'm going to feel about Xbox as, as a whole, because right now, everything that's being uh, rumored and shown and, and this information leaking has to do with games like Hi-Fi Rush, uh, uh, the, uh, what's the pirate game that I'm completely bringing? Sea of like, Thieves. You know, uh, <laughs> sea of Thieves. Um, that's also being rumored to, to, to come out on PlayStation and Nintendo Switch. For me, as long as those kinds of games are coming to other platforms, uh, smaller games, games that don't have the, the, the IP recognition that we know from Xbox. I think ultimately I'll be okay with, with, with those decisions. I think if, if they're, if they want the IP to grow and be a recognizable IP, specifically with hi-fi rush, getting it out on, 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 on the switch, getting out on PlayStation, getting more eyes on it would essentially grow that IP in, in a way that maybe it wouldn't grow just staying put on, uh, the platform of Xbox being the third platform, uh, you know, comparatively speaking to PlayStation and Nintendo. So if that's the case, if that's the way of bolstering IP that may not have the name recognition of Gears of War or Halo or Perfect Dark even, I, I think that that's okay. I, I, I don't want to do what people are doing online where they're jumping into extremities and being, oh, everything is going third party. I, I, I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, maybe because I'm just kind of thinking as to what would, how would, so what would Xbox benefit from p- putting Halo or putting Gears on those other systems? So as it stands right now, I do trust Xbox in that they're going to make the best decision for their IP as they see fit. Now, when it comes to other uh, things, like if Halo were to come to PlayStation, if Gears, at that point, you start to question why even, why Xbox, right? Why even Xbox exists at that point? So as of right now, I, I do think that I'm not freaking out or 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 seeing or, or questioning their decision making based on the simple fact that if it is if it is these smaller games, then we're then we're okay. Then it's fine. I think that that's a way to grow the IP in terms of name recognition beyond where it is right now. But if we're talking about huge games like even Indiana Jones coming out on PlayStation, and all that stuff, then I have to kind of question as to what exactly Xbox is actually trying to do. And are they talking out of both sides of the mouth saying consoles are here to stay, but also everything is on everything else. At that point, there's, there's no way you can trust somebody who's telling you consoles are here to stay, but also everything's on everything else. So it's, that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, but as it stands right now, in terms of where we are, you know, in February, I I trust Xbox in that 
they'll do what's best for those IP. Uh, but we'll see where it goes from here, and we'll see if, if Cerebon actually addresses this uh, come spring, and, and if it, how people are gonna take this, I don't know. But I don't think that Cerebon's gonna go up there and be like, "Hi guys, everything's on everything." I I, I just don't see that happening. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it seems it seems like because we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Uh, it sounds yeah. like you are a little bit more, I don't know, maybe more open minded right now. Um, cause you, you were pretty upset about it before. It seems like you're kind of like on a wait and see holding pattern, um, yeah. and kind of reserving judgment at the moment. Is that, is that kind of a fair assessment? Yeah. Because of the IPs that are consistently being rumored, you know, it, it, we haven't got, we have, Oh, by the way, new rumor coming out that Halo is Halo infinite is coming out. It, it's the same games over and over being talked about. If their strategy was to actually go third party, at this point, we would have gotten more information on other games other than the ones that we've already been talked about since a couple of weeks ago, you know? Yeah, I guess that's where I, 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 I'm not sure, right? Um, I think for me, I, I've, I've only grown to be more frustrated about the situation because I'm tired of looking at this from a business standpoint. I'm, I'm going to be very mm-hmm. transparent. Uh, I think everyone's trying to put on their corporate business hat and explain why this would make sense from a business standpoint. Well, it would make more money. Well, it's more exposure for their IP. And and I'm not saying that any of that's not true. I'm just saying that at some point, consumers have to start thinking like consumers and make a decision based on what's best for them as a consumer. And if you're telling people that um, you know a, a portion or a fraction of, of your, your games could potentially land elsewhere, um, I think that that is... Um, setting a very, very bizarre precedent that I, I don't know how they're going to really talk their way out of when they do eventually, you know, kind of lift the veil on what this is all about. I think the real frustration for now is that they're, they're letting this kind of fester um, in a way that I'm, I'm really not happy about whatsoever. I think that th- there is no way, uh, uh, whether they care about online discourse or not, there's no way you can tell me that they're not aware of how angry some people would potentially be about this um, from a consumer standpoint. And, and, you know, the reality of the situation is while they're, this person claims that they're not really listening to online discourse, and I don't fully blame them for that because a lot of toxic people are online talking about this stuff, there are, like, really earnest consumers of video games that are looking at this and going, you know, with no console war kind of thing whatsoever, just going, I don't know what to make of Xbox anymore. And I think that's totally valid. And the fact that we're, we could potentially have to wait till sometime in spring to get some type of clarity... Um, to what extent and to what level of detail, we still don't know. Um, but we, we're going to have to basically play the waiting game. Meanwhile, we keep learning more and more all but true confirmations that, that these games are going multi-platform. It just feels backwards. You know, It's like at some point, somebody at Xbox has got to go, hey, they're data mining the information about, about Hi-Fi Rush. Maybe we should just fuck around and announce this thing already and get it over with. Let's rip off the band-aid. Everyone knows it's happening. Let's just acknowledge it at this point. And then we'll say, hey, in the future, we'll discuss more about, you know, kind of how we plan on collaborating with Nintendo and PlayStation in the future. That would at least be a decent stopgap. But they're just going absolute radio silent or they're doing an even more awkward thing where like you know i hate to pick on sarah bond but her name was thrown in here so i have to throw her as an example but you know she's tweeting about random bullshit about xbox knowing full well <laughs> that everyone's going yep. hey hey waving their arms at her like what, 
hey, you're going to tell us about this thing that's going on with your third party strategy? And then, you know, she'd rather just kind of, you know, talk around it. And it's like, okay, that's a, that's a different kind of, of, of feel for Microsoft right now. I'm not used to them just, I'm not used to them talking at me. I'm used to them kind of talking with with us a bit more. And this is definitely a change in that regard that I'm I, I'm not sure what to make of right now. I guess for me, it would be like, okay, let's say tomorrow they announce Hi-Fi Rush is coming to PlayStation and, and, and the Switch. Being that it is Hi-Fi Rush, I don't see how that changes anything for Xbox or my opinion on the platform. Uh, you know, like, it's it just, it's a small game from a small studio. Like, I, I get it's a first-party studio, but I don't, for me, this isn't, like, game-changing even if it were true. Like, if the rumor was everything going forward is first as third party that's huge that's massive that is that is sell your xbox there's literally no reason to have a type of information but if this happens to be true you know i just don't know how that changes anything for for xbox or even xbox fans even though some xbox fans out here in the streets acting crazy taking pictures of their xbox in the trash can <laughs> well that's uh, just, like that's just yeah, yeah that's silly. that's silly I, I for i just i look at it from like the worst case scenario let's say all this is true let's say hi-fi rush and sea of thieves is coming to 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 other consoles like i don't know if i'd be like hmm i i, I, I don't know i just wouldn't it wouldn't really move me one way or the other right now. It, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Where it's like that's yeah. why I, I I can see the potential for like, oh yeah, but this would open the floodgates, and that could be true. And if the floodgates do open, then at that point in time is when I would re- reactionary and, and and give my opinion based on what they're trying to do there. But like, if if all I want is this, if Xbox is really trying to get out the console game and be a publisher, they got that, That's got to be said sooner rather than later. That's that just has to be done. Now, the problem is that it won't because they still want to sell Xbox Series X's. Right. So if it comes out that later on that was their plan the whole time, then, you know, more corporate bullshit, just shitting on the consumer. It'd be shady as fuck. But we will see that through the release releases of these games. But as it stands right now, you know, I just I, I don't think it's a big deal if Hi-Fi Rush comes on to the PlayStation or Nintendo Switch because of, of, of what it is, you know? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's where we disagree because I think you know. Then what? what then if that's true, then what's the point of putting it there? I mean, yeah, if it's if it's this little if it's this little thing, then what's the point of putting it out well, and creating all this confusion and controversy around a game that's 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 apparently so tiny? You know, well, I mean, that's I, my I guess question. I guess. Yeah, well, I guess what that would be, it's a year after it's already been a console exclusive, it gives a little bit more people the ability to play it, but really, at the end of the day, it's like everything in in, in the news cycle, where this is a big deal today, then Hi-Fi Rush comes out on PlayStation, and comes out on Switch, and then months later, no, no other game's coming out on, on different platforms, they're still exclusives, and nobody's talking about this again, and this is like, this is like a fart in the wind, people forgot this was even a thing, like, so right now, everything seems like a big deal, because it's, it's not clear as to what it is, but mm-hmm. if later on, once all this is, uh, you know, said and done, and, and we're not talking about xbox being a third party studio anymore then at that point this doesn't mean anything other than the ability that people have to not play this game and i know you don't like the 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 whole grow your ip but i mean essentially that's what they'll do with this and when the sequel hi-fi rush 2 comes out then it'll have more name recognition and people you know will possibly hopefully buy an xbox for it you know that's kind of like the strategy that i'm thinking that they're trying to do but again 
I, I, I don't know because I'm not Xbox. I'm not going to play strategist. I'm not going to play. But if I'm if I'm putting myself in their shoes, it's, if this is what they're doing, then that that makes sense to me. But again, if Xbox is trying to do more than this, and this is going to be an issue going forward, I would rather them to be real clear up front, which you know we're probably not going to ever get that sort of clarification. Yeah, I mean, I guess we're we're kind of in two different places. I think with this overall, because I yeah. think this this is a. Um, to look at this as like a hi-fi rush and then, you know, kind of fart in the wind thing, I, I just don't see that happening anymore. I think this is definitely the, the first domino of a full-blown strategy. Um, and I think that we're probably heading in a direction, if I had to wager, where I, I, would, I would say that at least, a, you know, maybe a quarter of Xbox games will probably end up elsewhere. Um, and I think at that point, it might not sound like a lot, but I think at the end of the day... Again, we've got to bring it back to a consumer standpoint and, and ask themselves, like, if most people already have PlayStations, which they do, let's just be real, PlayStation's outselling Xbox by you know ungodly numbers, ungodly ratios. What is going to compel someone to go buy an Xbox at that point? Instead of, as opposed to waiting to see if the game that you do want to play on Xbox could be part of that quarter of those games that do end up coming to the console that you already own, right? That's well, the I mean, question. Why would I, why would I gamble... It, spending all this money, it, like I said a couple weeks ago, five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars to get an Xbox, to sign for um, you know Game Pass, to get accessories, extra controllers, blah blah blah, headsets, well, I, just to get everything when you can wait and just see if things eventually fall on your lap on the console that you already have. Well, I think there's a few reasons for that. One, I don't think Xbox is trying to beat PlayStation Five, so I don't think that's really an issue in terms of moving consoles. Mm-hmm. Uh, second, Game Pass is still there, and, and third, Halo. Gears of War, things that Xbox fans like and love are still essentially possibly still just going to be exclusive games. So mm-hmm. they have they have they have stuff to keep people in the ecosystem still. Uh, and being what we're looking at in terms of how they're seeing success being through Game Pass and subscription services, I don't think they give a shit really if they if they sell more consoles than than PlayStation or Nintendo at at this point in the game. Now this will affect future consoles. You know, if a quarter of stuff is coming out uh, onto onto like the PlayStation, I'm sure there's people out there who are not fans of of, of Halo and Gears, and they they'll probably lose those customers. But as it stands, I don't think they care, at least from what they've shown. So I, I think that, you know, there's there are reasons as to why they're doing this, which we don't know, obviously. But I don't think that the reasons why we think it'll, it won't work for them matter to them, you know, because Game Pass is still a good deal. People who have Xbox probably going to keep the Xbox. They're probably not going to grow their numbers any more than they are right now in terms of the ratios. So I, I don't know. I, I just I don't feel like that's what they're really going for right now in terms mm-hmm. of moving the product like like play like PlayStation and Nintendo are our focus on. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll just say in closing that you know I, I want I want to always continue to be excited about Xbox moving forward. I love Xbox. Yeah. I, I want I root for Xbox. Um, you know, I was. A big fan of the Xbox One, believe it or not. I was actually probably my main system for most of the last generation. So I, I always want to see Xbox be successful. And I just I want to see them be successful without the caveats. And, and that's right. kind of what's get, becoming grading for me. Is like I just want to be able to enjoy Xbox, especially now that they're on the upswing with their first-party output, and not have this asterisk kind of hanging next to everything going, well, yeah, this is great, but we don't know what's going to happen with the strategy. Yeah. Third part. Like, I just want that to be over with, and that's why this is so frustrating with this radio silence. It's like, please, you know, if, if there's a way to kind of, like, 
you know, cool off our concerns and get us back down to earth again, please say something. And it's just like, there's just nothing coming out. And that's really kind of a letdown for me. Well, Marco, and I wouldn't even I wouldn't even go so far as to say that we're excited for first party output this year with Xbox, because like you said, enjoy being an Xbox fan nowadays comes with a caveat, which is going to lead us to our next story here uh, about Avowed. Uh, new details about Avowed have been revealed that suggest that this game may not be quite as robust as we once thought. We have official confirmation that players can only choose from two races, human or elf when you're creating your avatar and there are no romance options in this game mm-hmm. given the multiple races and romance options are are staples of most fantasy rpgs and and, and honestly staples of obsidian uh, games how are we feeling about the news uh do these details have any effect on our perception of the game at all marco you go first first and foremost that was a baller ass segue by the way so i'm gonna shout that out <laughs> number one. Second of all um let's talk about it um Man, it feels like the more I hear about Avowed, the more this game kind of shrinks in my in my brain. You know what I mean? Like in terms of its scale, in terms of what it's trying to do, quality, all that. Yeah, you know, it's it's really unfortunate because I've I've been a longtime fan of Obsidian. Um, I really love what they do. I I believe in them as a studio, but I've had I've had concerns about Avowed um, ever since the direct. And when we saw what we saw, the gameplay, the AI, the the look and feel of the game, the way the sword play, you know, sword combat looked, a lot of things just weren't really clinking together for me about it. And then you find out details like this after the fact. Well, no romance options because we want to have more thoughtful personal relationships or whatever that excuse was. I don't know what that it means. No sense. Because you can make romance uh, and relationships thoughtful just as well as you can make friendships thoughtful. So that 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 didn't add up. And then, you know, the, the two races thing, you know, I, I, I've, I've said this term in, for the last few weeks talking about this game and talking about Dragon Age. And that is in a post Baldur's Gate 3 world. This type of skeletal, very, you know, restrictive kind of, of, of stuff, it's just not going to fly anymore, you know? And it, it might be unfair to compare the two because Baldur's Gate 3 is a very different kind of game than what Avowed's trying to do. But unfortunately, that's not going to matter to the the general RPG fan out there who is going to remember, oh, I could have, I, I picked all these different classes and races and subclasses and I had, I could have smashed anybody I wanted from this game and, you know, this happened <laughs> and that happened. And then you go from that to this and you just have these, these very, I guess they're going to be just platonic interactions with people and you can only be a human or an elf so it just it feels like the game is just kind of becoming smaller and smaller and smaller and i, and I guess it, it just it's bothering me also because of what what's going on with you know hellblade 2 going from hearing a quote about how this is going to be bigger than the first game and then finding out at the direct well this is going to be a a, sh- a shorter narrative-led experience. Well, where was that rhetoric, you know, when you first announced the game and when you were having interviews about it? So it just feels like Xbox's catalog is kind of becoming really, really small and quaint in my brain. And I just don't like well, that feeling at all. You know what I mean? Go back to my predictions episode. I literally said these two games were going to felt like they were going to be small game just because of the way they were talking about it or i should say not talking about it Mm. like i i would say my my feelings about this uh, uh, about this is that avowed like you said shrinking i I don't even think it's shrinking in terms of just like you said just of like uh, 
less things in the game. It's just the quality of the game doesn't seem like it's up to snuff in any way, shape, or form. I know the excuse about about the human or, or elf thing is, well, the the region in which they are, the primary two races are human or elf. Okay, fine. If that's if you want to go that detailed and do it that way, fine. That means that. We're going to get these incredible stories, whether you're human or elf, but then you've come to find out where it's like, actually, there's also no romance option. So it's like you're stripping this game of certain things and it just feels like you're giving me an almost nothing experience. The most diet of diet Western RPGs that you can possibly give me. This is what you're giving to me. It just feels like you had this big chunk of meat, and you started cutting shit off, and now you're you're you're, you're feeding me you're feeding me a filet mignon, a medallion. All right, a medallion. Uh, yeah, a small little medallion. <laughs> little now all the other good stuff has been chopped off. All the fat has been it's gone, and now I have this dreadful medallion steak and no sides. I got no potatoes. Ain't no sides. <laughs> you got a little baby potato nothing. and nothing. No complimentary yeah, a bread. Baby, a little baby elf potato and a little human <laughs> steak. I mean, ain't nothing on here. This is the most What's bland. You, like, man? what white person cooked this game? No, listen, listen. The, the the truth of the matter is, that ain't is got no seasoning I was, on it. <laughs> ain't no seasoning, yeah. Uh, I, 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 I love Obsidian. I, I love what they do. I love the chances that they take w- with certain games. You know, some of my favorite games were made oh, by same. Obsidian. Yeah. Unfortunately, this looks like they're 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 out of their depth or something something that i know there was rumors about this game being multiplayer so there's definitely been a shift in 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 the design of the game yeah but i almost feel like they have to get avowed out because they talked about avowed and mm-hmm. it would look bad for them to cancel it because it's just there's nothing about this game that's exciting i mean what they showed in the direct wasn't exciting and then we get this information which is lex exciting no romance options which if you're a western rpg fan i don't even got to tell you how important those things are like, you know, like maybe if you don't like RPGs like that, you hear no romance options. Who cares? They're so important. They're yeah. so important to, to your enjoyment of the game. They're staples among the, the, these kind of RPGs. And the fact that it's not like, okay, there's seven different races with different sub races. There's no romance options. All right. Okay. I get it. But it's like lean, 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 lean. It's nothing. It's like a big nothing. And it's 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 really upsetting to me because I I I, I wanted this to be an, an amazing experience. I wanted this to be the next great Western RPG that I play this year. And now I have zero and I'll tell you zero faith in this game. Really? And I'm not excited for this. I, I, wow. What what is there to have faith about? What can I possibly look at everything they talked about and they showed that that, that that would get me excited? No death animation having ass lizards uh, and, 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 and human or elf and no rom- like it's just such it, it looks bad. The game looks visually it doesn't look great either. Like they're, they're, they cut all the corners. Mm. It's like a, they cut all the corners and there's nothing left here, man. Uh, it's 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 just it's very frustrating to me and I can't I can't believe that this is what's happening, Obsidian. I I, I would love to see a documentary on this and see what the fuck happened here because I uh the, the uh, Outer Worlds two is in development and if they're just doing these little ass Western RPGs that have no meat to them, I I don't want any of it. I don't want none of it. Uh, they can start making other kinds of games because this. They say they just focus on grounded two or some shit like that, <laughs> because right. I, I don't. I mean, I mean, at this point, what, what's what's left here to even, even to be excited about? I don't know. I don't understand you. I I don't understand anybody who could think about a vow today after knowing all the information and be excited. What are you excited about? Like literally, what are you excited about? 
I don't know. It feels like a lot of people have, um, you know, kind of developed the game in their head in in this most ideal way of, oh, it's going to be this, that, and the third, and the fourth, and the fifth thing, and it's going to have this and that, and you could do that. And of course, you, could, you you'll probably be able to do that. And what we're finding out systematically is that, oh, actually, a lot of the basics are not really accounted for in this game right now and and that's kind of weird it just is and um i think you know a lot of people get very defensive about uh anything you say critical of of xbox's first party offerings because people are tired of of always getting punched in the mouth with like well look what happened with redfall every time we talk about first party games with xbox but but then you run into issues like this where it's like man why is it that every time I hear something new about this game, it's something that kind of brings the game down, uh, and that just gets taxing after a while, you know? Um, it's frustrating. It is. And frustration grows because it feels systemic. It feels beyond Obsidian. It feels like an Xbox problem. Well, you know, let, Everwild canceled. I mean, not canceled, but it had to be redone. Well, yeah. uh, Redfall is a complete mess. Uh, there's development hell for Perfect Dark for such a long time. Even even Starfield, which I absolutely loved, you know, didn't take that uh, that formula to the next level like they promised and there's just so many things where it just feels less about the studio making them though they're definitely at fault but also a systemic issue on hand with xbox not having a standard to which to strive for like i, I how am i i'm walking into here buying obsidian and they show me a vowed human or elf this or that none of this none of that none of that it's like how can I be proud to put that out? And it just it just feels like a systemic issue at this point. Xbox is trying to put out first party to look like so they can say we're putting out first party. And that's yeah. the difference between Xbox first party quality of seal quality compared to PlayStation. Because even Nintendo. though we can sit here and be critical of PlayStation and the things they've done, when they drop a first party game, it's a banger. Yeah, you know, you know, you know what my, my frustration is, and we'll move on shortly here, but my frustration is I'm really fed up with this like double A energy that we keep hearing about from yeah. um, from Obsidian and actually from Ninja Theory as well. Ninja Theory described themselves as kind of like this this kind of internal independent studio. And I think Obsidian kind of said something to the effect of having like the spirit of a double A studio or something to that effect. I don't want to hear that anymore. I don't want to hear that anymore. Uh, you you are you are a Microsoft owned company. You have to act like it at some point in time or another. I don't want to look at you the same way that I did before you were acquired. You have a bigger budget. You have far more support and backing from Microsoft now. You have a lot more creative liberty. You have more time to spend developing your games. You are not this little engine that could anymore. You are part of a three trillion dollar machine. You have to start kind of stepping up to the plate and, and portraying yourself as a bigger deal. Because I feel like when they keep talking about this double A energy or this independent studio energy, it's almost like they're trying to lower your expectations. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, oh, don't look at us as a triple A studio because then if you look at Avowed from that lens, you're going to be disappointed. That's the kind of vibe I get sometimes. Whereas I, I think if they would just kind of make make whatever game you want to make, for crying out loud, I don't care about that. But don't don't try to tell me that the things that detract from the game are actually like um, selling points. Like, oh, we're going for something leaner and more focused. We're going for something that's shorter, but really strongly narrative led. It, that's just PR speak to me. You know, like I, you cannot tell me that these games were 
the, the, the goal from the outset was to make a seven-hour Hellblade sequel. You can't tell me that because that even the, the director of the game didn't say that. And I don't believe for a second that this was ever the objective of, of Obsidian, to have a game that is a Western RPG with no romance options and two uh, uh, races to choose from, from a high fantasy game. You can't yeah. tell me that's ever been the objective. Like that was on the the marker board from day one. That was on the docket. Yeah, that, Never. that's crazy to me. Especially no. when this game was rumored to be a, a multiplayer, so you were only going to pick a multiplayer aspect from two races. Like no, something yeah. went up here. And and Xbox spent millions on Obsidian, and they spent millions on 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 um, on Team Ninja. And, uh, Ninja Theory. Ninja uh, Theory. Sorry, Ninja Theory, and it it, it wasn't so they could be a double A AA studio. You know, At you all. could make games like, uh, like Grounded. You can do that. You know, as a side project, and that, that's cool. You know, but like when you're you're putting out your the best that you can put out in terms of your, your top quality game, it can't feel like 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 it's an afterthought because yeah. that's what this game's kind of feel like. So yeah, I mean, look, they, they spent uh, over a hundred and ten million million dollars to acquire Ninja Theory. Well, seventeen the, million exactly. All they have to show for it is a dead live service game that was that was terrible with Bleeding Edge oh, yeah. and a seven hour story with Hellblade Two. Yeah, that I'm sorry, that was never the. You can't tell me that that's what Microsoft always wanted to get from from, from Ninja their, Theory. Oh. That's not what they wanted. Well, we spent 117 million dollars so you for can seven give hours of gameplay. <laughs> Duh. Yeah, no, that's come on. So it, yeah. I don't know people are going to like to hear that, but it's just, it's frustrating to see that. It really is. But yeah. I hope those games turn out to be fun despite th themselves, but uh, just not a good vibe at this point uh, about either game. Uh, but look, uh, we got to move on. Uh, before we do so, we interrupt this program to bring you a special bulletin. Marco, before you keep going. Yes. I, I want to read something here that, that just came up from a specific Twitter account that is known not to be entrenched in in the console wars okay, and kind of reports information. And according to this uh, Twitter account and according to Xbox era, Microsoft plans to release Starfield on PlayStation 5 later this year with Starfield tentatively scheduled for Q1. The decision has been fierce internal debate within Microsoft who are expected to make a formal announcement this month oh my god xbox air is reporting uh that uh starfield is coming out to playstation 5 later this year oh we don't so, normally get we don't normally get breaking news during a recording um but that is very interesting you know what was weird was there were some people that were like um next week is going to be pretty crazy for news with xbox um, and, and I was like, I don't know what, what's going on. And yeah. is it about the third party strategy or whatever? And people were like, just stay tuned. And, so if, if yeah. this is what it is, that, it, and, and maybe by the time this goes up, there'll be some kind of official announcement. Maybe, I don't know. But yeah, we'll see. if this is true, Pablo, look now, I, I, now, okay, let's, let's revisit what we talked about. Not so talking about yeah, I think that they'll try to sell it by saying, "Listen, place uh, these games are still exclusive to Game Pass," and they'll try to build out Game Pass as this thing. I think that's the thing that I was talking about, talking out of both sides out of your mouth, where you're saying this is for this, but you're also trying to tell me that you're gonna stay 
afloat. You're going to keep your consoles afloat. It's still going to be a thing. The ecosystem is still going to exist. I don't understand how your ecosystem exists if everything that you're making is coming out on everything because that Sega doesn't have their Dreamcast or their Genesis anymore because they don't need it because everything they make is for everybody. So what's the point here? And, and you know, I think everything is, is, is becoming a little more clear, you know, spending the $70 billion dollars uh spending the seven point whatever billion here and then for for um uh for uh shit i'm blanking out for bethesda yeah bethesda all that (laughs) stuff i think that i think that you know upper i think microsoft like the 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 company as a whole is looking at these investments as to how to maximize dollars and so at this point they're pretty much fucking nuking the consoles uh here and 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 just kind of moving xbox into that third party well, um, this is why i said what here. i said earlier though dude this yeah is what yeah I mean. but i mean I, for me it was like i can't really react to something that has not and still it's not been confirmed it could be complete bullshit but i the the, the people reporting it just seems it just seems like it makes a lot of sense. It just seems it's a. It just seems like reading it the way I'm reading it and who's reporting it. It, it, it feels real. So that's yeah. crazy, ho. I mean, that's the that's what I mean about the scenario of why would a PlayStation Five owner who might like or be interested in maybe a handful of games on Xbox, why buy the? I mean, yeah, the Game Pass prospect is cool, but if the game's going to eventually come to the console I already have in my living room, I'll just wait. You know, like, and, and, and if you're going to give us Starfield on PlayStation 5, now I'm going to wait for everything. I'm going to wait for every, everything. Yeah, yeah. Because I didn't I mean, think what's... the day was going to come where Starfield was going to come uh, to PlayStation. But if this is true, this just gives me more reason. Uh, and this is all hypothetical. I, I own both consoles already. I'm just saying if yeah. I'm the guy who only has a PlayStation 5, I'm not touching an Xbox. Are you kidding? I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait and see if the next game that I'm in, if Indiana Jones, all right, fine, you get it first. Have a blast. Yeah. I'll be over here with my PS5 playing other stuff, and then when it comes out on PS5 next year, I'll be perfectly happy, and I didn't have to invest in an entire second ecosystem and an entire second console and another subscription service. I could just wait it out, and, and yeah. that's the problem Xbox has. You will make more money. But you will lose the trust of, of I, what the point is of buying the console. That's the problem. And I and I think that Game Pass is 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 a is a real thing, and I think that they can be successful by just talking that up. But now you're going to talk about all right. So how much is it going to cost to keep Game Pass afloat? Because it's not going to stay that price. It's always going to go up. You know, it's been going up. So that just seems weird. A little more clarification here. It's saying that it's not Xbox's leader team, uh, leadership team, but Microsoft's senior leadership decided to bring yep. the game to PlayStation Five after the Shattered Space DLC releases. Yeah, this is. This is crazy. I, this is what I mean. I, I, I had a feeling. I think I said it a couple weeks ago. I'm like, there feels like there's a there's a disconnect between the people in Xbox division, Microsoft at large, and the the community. And it just which feels makes sense like, why like Phil's been completely radio silent. That's what I mean. Why I, I, I mentioned it to you the other uh, offline a couple weeks ago. I'm like, why is Satya Nadella talking about the future of Xbox instead of the head of Xbox? Yeah. Why is it happening? Because there's got to be some tug of war happening where I think they now that they have ABK they see uh, they see an opportunity to just blow this thing out of proportion and, and just be everywhere and, and and on everything and I think you know the core Xbox experience is kind of drifting now to to pave way for this like okay well now we want to be everything everywhere on every console eh, I, I'm, I'm 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 cool with that I'm I'm cool on that. 
I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I just, that's I, not, that's not going to make shocked. me be excited about having an Xbox. No, not at all. And I would be shocked at this point if I wouldn't be shocked if if we if we get a, a a tweet in a couple of days, months, Phil saying goodbye to the company. If you know, because it just feels like it just feels like oh, what's the point now? You know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, this is this is crazy, man. Now, I, I, <sighs> people are still gonna be out there arguing like, yeah, but not Halo. And hey, look, if, if Starfield is going on that platform, this is, yeah, you better all bets are bet, off. You better bet you believe your ass that Halo's going on that platform. And all and, bets and, are and, off. Yeah, that Gears of War collection that's been rumored. I'm gonna be. I'll be honest with you, straight up. I mean, I'm. I, I love my Xbox Series X. I'll. I'll. I'll definitely. I'll obviously, keep it. Um. I don't know if 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 in the next cycle, <laughs> why would I get a Xbox? This is the see. You, it, yeah, I, I hate to say it, but you know it's quite no, a contrast between I mean, what you were saying a few minutes ago. But this is sure, kind of what sure, I mean. It, it was easy kinda... to look at it like, oh, if it's just these little teeny tiny games, then it's no harm, no foul. But this is what I mean about the strategy of it all. I don't you think know. that they would go as far as to put games on other consoles if they were just going to put little quaint ones on there. I think that there was something bigger in play where maybe not every single thing they ever make is going to go to other consoles, but if if the Starfields of the world wind up on PlayStation, again, I just don't see why anyone would... would Because yeah. here's the thing about the Game Pass argument. Yeah, it's it, the, the benefit of it being a Game Pass game is important, but if that was enough, it would be working by now. The problem is, is that the console just isn't selling very well, despite Game Pass being as great as it is. And I'm telling you right now, I love Game Pass, but if that was enough, it would be enough. And we would see that reflected in the way that this console sells. It's just not selling, even it, if Game Pass is great. This isn't going to help matters. Yeah, and it doesn't make sense that you're going to have Bethesda games on Game Pass and all that stuff, but they're going to come on to everything, but you're going to keep to yourself Halo and Gears of War. Like, I mean, if your consoles aren't selling well now, then why would you even keep Gears or Halo behind the Xbox ecosystem if everything else you're making is going on into everything? So, yeah. This is this, uh, is this is pretty insane. They said this month. Uh, the, the report said this month they'll, they'll clear some things up. I I wonder where they're going with this. This is going to be very interesting to say the least. Yeah. Um. I I don't think that their their spin work. Uh, we want to let everyone in on the fun. Uh, you know, or when everyone plays, we all win. That that slogan is going to probably get retooled for this. I don't think it's going to go over very well. I'm going to be very honest with you. It's going to be scorched earth. I would say that. I think a lot of the Xbox talking heads out there are going to have a fucking fit about this. It's going to be bad. People um, are saying, you're, people in the know are saying, yes, your eyes are not deceiving you. That's crazy. Yeah. I think it's it's becoming less of like PlayStation versus Xbox, and it's going to be PlayStation versus Microsoft. That's how it's starting to feel right now, and that's where the competition aspect of this is going to get very weird. But uh, I guess, I, I, I guess overall, as as video game fans, I guess it's better if you just have the one system with it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's, uh, but that's yeah. This is the thing. Yeah, I mean, and I battled kind of where my ecosystem of choice is going to be for the last you know about a year or so. Because I don't want to just buy, you know, I'll buy this on Xbox and I'll buy this on PlayStation. Then I just have this weird, like, you know, no, what, what's my rhyme and reason at this point for buying one console game and then the other console game? 
I think it just makes sense to kind of find your lane, and it, it, it could still be Xbox. I'm not saying this this should deter people from wanting to like be an Xbox gamer. It's just that now you need to understand that what you hold dear is kind of for the streets now. <laughs> so you know, you know, I, I think I think a lot of true colors are going to be shown, particularly with the Xbox talking heads of like, how loyal are you really? Because you guys, a lot of them talk a big game. A lot of them are like, oh, you know, if you criticize Xbox, you're this, you're that, and those same people. They don't take this kind of news too well. You My know? God, so, they were losing it for Hi-Fi Rush. Especially Hi-Fi Rush had some people... Yeah, they were damn near in tears about Hi-Fi. This is going to put people in the nut house. Oh, this will be They're going to be in the brig. They're going to be... <laughs> <laughs> in the brig. All right, Marco, sorry to have interrupted you. Go ahead and... No, uh, no, man. You're good. You're good. That that was worth that was worth butting in on. I, I would rather us cover that midway through than, than miss the yeah, boat. Yeah, yeah. Um, but look, before we keep going, um, you know, look, I, I was... I, was, I wanted to kind of talk about, you know, the, 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 our subscribers. And I want to talk about particularly the new listeners of the show. Um, because, you know, we always encourage people to subscribe if they're interested, if they like what we do, if they like what we talk about, blah, blah, blah. But I, 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 I strongly suggest that new listeners of the show kind of proceed with caution for our podcast. Because, um, you know, when, when me and Pablo first decided to do Cool Down Time, you know, almost three years ago... Um, we were very much locked in in thinking about who the show was going to be for and who the show is not going to be for. Um, And that latter part's really important because we're not a show that is for everybody. We're not trying to cast a wide net like many other shows are. Um, We are really a podcast that's speaking to a very, very small percentage of the gaming community. And that percentage of the gaming community is really the people who appreciate and value content or podcasts from people who can call it down the middle and tell it like it is. Um, We may have our favorite consoles or we have certain leanings, but we're not afraid to be critical of any console, of any game, of any, any publisher, any anything in the industry. The problem is, is that there's a lot of people nowadays um, who don't know how to accept that. You know, mm-hmm. they, they have their favorite plastic boxes. And I've noticed recently that we have an influx of, of new listeners who come in because they see a, a title of the episode that kind of triggers them in some way. And we kind of get criticized because we were being critical of their favorite console. Um, and then we get accused of being fanboys. And this is kind of, you know, it's part for the course. Any, anybody that does content in the gaming space will eventually be called a fanboy for something because that's just how the, the, the wind blows. Um but, you know, I, I will say, don't subscribe to the show if you're brittle and insecure about your favorite console and if you aren't capable of hearing people say some things you disagree with, because that's not, we're, we're never going to pander to you. Well, uh, we're never going to, uh, you know, cater to your, your personal preferences. We're not going to agree with everything you feel. And um, if you can't handle that, then you got to go elsewhere. If, yeah, if you are, I mean, if you're an Xbox fan, there's plenty of Xbox shows that are right up your alley that will preach to the choir. And same goes yeah. for PlayStation fans. We're not that. We're not that show. We're not that the, show. The, the energy we're putting out when we're, when we're being critical of anything, it's not the energy that you think it is. We're not trying to pit PlayStation against Xbox and Nintendo. No. And those responses <clears throat> that we you, we get are coming are coming from that place of protecting your favorite plastic box you know when you make your personality uh, xbox or playstation then anything that we say that can 
can seem uh, like we're belittling that is you, you're going to take it personal. And that's right. not what we're doing here. So if that's how you feel if, if, if you uh, wake up and, 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 you're, and you feel like your personality is uh, what Xbox is doing today. <laughs> that's your, your thing. <laughs> then don't I'm listen feeling to very us Sarah Bondi today. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Don't listen to us because we're... we're we we don't have we don't have the, those ailments. We don't have that mental issue. No, uh, um, we're pretty clear as as, as what, what we're doing here, and 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 that's not what we're we're about. Yeah, and the beautiful thing about having a podcast is that we have over 140 ep- episodes worth of receipts that prove yeah. that we are not afraid to be critical of any company, of any game, of any situation, any headline out there. Um, so for those of you new listeners, that you don't have that context. So you, if you hear one segment of the show where we're, you know, like this Xbox, you know, conversation we just had, you, some of you will literally walk away from that going, oh, they're just ponies, right? It, right. Listen, I'm not going to spend my energy trying to, no, that's not true. Listen, <laughs> the receipts are in the previous episodes. You can go back and you can find all kinds of examples of, of me roasting the boots off of PlayStation when they when they do some bullshit. And the same goes for Xbox and the same goes for Nintendo. So if if you are too insecure and brittle and weak-brained to handle that, I don't want you to subscribe to our podcast. All we're going to do is be a bad fit for you. So uh, this this show is really made for the people who appreciate more widespread cohesive comprehensive discourse about everything from people that don't have an agenda full disclosure x pablo's more of an xbox guy than a playstation guy i'm more of a playstation guy than an xbox guy but that has never gotten in the way of us being able to keep it a buck about either of those two consoles and nintendo's in a different plane of existence entirely but we're not afraid to be honest about them either yeah well, nintendo's like 1a w- right 1b to us yeah yeah exactly so it, if if you like that kind of angle then i think subscribing to the show might be a good idea for you if that's you you can find us where you found us today we're also on spotify we're on apple Podcasts, google youtube for audio only versions and you can even leave a nice review for us if you appreciate the fact that we are appealing to such a small crowd um but Again, if this isn't for you, it's okay, but your poorly spelled comments on YouTube are not going to make anybody lose sleep. I promise you that. I get a kick out of pissing y'all off, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> but nevertheless, we, uh, we got to move on, man. We got a hell of a main event to talk about here, and that is, of course, the Checkpoint Chat. It's time for the Checkpoint Chat. Damn, you're losing my voice about you haters. All right. <laughs> Look, man, state of play. It yeah. happened. It's done. 43 minutes of updates and new announcements that we have to unpack here, Pablo. Uh, we're not going to talk about every single thing here in extensive detail, but some of the bigger, more noteworthy uh, games will be uh, kind of talked about together, uh, much in the same way we did with the Xbox Developer Direct a few weeks ago. Um, so we're going to kind of talk through the highlights of the show uh, and kind of unpack each game that we uh, you know, have here on the docket. And then we'll kind of round things out by talking about what grade we're going to give the state of play and kind of where we think this puts PlayStation's year uh, in terms of our excitement levels and our expectations. So, uh, Pablo, you're going to drive for this first part as we talk about some yep. of the games we saw. So uh, the floor is yours. Yeah, so let's get right into it. Uh, so first game showed, or at least the first game we're going to talk about was Stellar Blade. 
uh, we play as Eve, a warrior rising up to defeat the Natibus, right? Natibus? I like how I actually broke down the pronunciation <laughs> on the docket, and he still messed it up. It's Natibas. <laughs> Natibas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's right. That's right. Get Which right. is a mysterious species that suddenly emerge on Earth. The Natibas are trying to wipe out the human race based on the will of their higher entity, but nobody knows why. Wow, that's amazing. Eve is joined by two companies. Up to two companions. Uh, Eve is joined by two companions, which is a little bit on the nose. Uh, Eve and Adam and the other companion is Lily to upgrade her gear and join the fight. Along the way, they will ed- uh, aid the surviving citizen living in Zion. <laughs> <laughs> do you want me to this? do this part, dude? <laughs> no, I got it. I got it. I'm just, I, I'm just in my head right now because of the whole Nativa shit. Um, the last human city, Zion, and its surrounding regions are semi-open world. Combat yeah. prioritizes deflecting and evading attacks as you wait for a window of opportunity to mm-hmm. open up some stylish counterattacks. You can also acquire various cosmetics such as costumes, accessories, and hairstyles. And this game is launching April 26th. Marco, what did you think about Stellar Blade? I was kind of blown away by this one, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the game that I had in my head this was going to be was a very linear, straightforward, mission-based game, uh, kind of like a Bayonetta or a Devil May Cry. Right. Uh, and it turned into something a little bit more near-like, a little bit more, uh, got some astral chain energy, a lot of, lot of platinum games energy, actually, from this, uh, yeah. from this game in a way that I was really impressed about. Um, I, I, really, I really, really like the aesthetics of the game. I like the, uh, the overall style, the way the environments look. Um, I think the characters look cool. The combat looks cool. Um, there is kind of a controversy about the game uh, that I'm calling yeah. the Bootygate controversy. Um, I think I think a lot of that's overblown. I really do. Yeah. I, I, the game is is so what? It, she got a fat ass. So it is it is like she's a very attractive character, and some of the clothes you can wear, you know, yeah. I mean, if you if you if you stop and freeze frame at a certain point, you you can probably you're not going to see straight nudity or anything. But you know, there is a little of 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 the the scantily clad options available for you in terms of cosmetics but i don't know i i i feel like a lot of that it's it's a bit over exaggerated to me um it feels like the people complaining the most are the people kind of looking for those still frames the most too in a weird way so it's like i don't even know if this is a big deal as people say it is i think when you think about the bayonettas of the world which is a very you know a character that's very much like in tune with her sexuality and her attractiveness and you can it, it feels very empowering in that way this game feels like a grown-up version of that, like where it, this character Eve is never like on camera saying anything sultry and sexy, or you know, like really playing into innuendos or anything. She's just an attractive-looking character, um, and it doesn't seem to have any influence on her personality whatsoever. So yeah. it's not a game that's trying to be like, oh, this is like a stripper with a gun and a knife, you know, it's, 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 it doesn't seem that way to me. So I think a lot of it's overblown. And honestly, I think it's perfectly okay to design attractive looking, uh, female characters. I don't think that, I feel like there's been a lot of oversteering in in recent years about, you know, well, we don't want to make them too attractive. You know, let's kind of dial it down a little bit. And I agree that sometimes it does get a little crazy, particularly with Japanese games. It's like, okay, you know, the, the the things are thinging a little too much there, but you know, 
But I, I still don't think that means, oh, we should oversteer and make every character like super ugly and super flawed because it makes them feel more real. Like it's a, they're, they're video games, y'all. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not approved about that stuff. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like they're over-sexualizing her other than how, what she's wearing. You know, her her entire kind of existence isn't there to, uh, you know, to make you horny. I really, you know, it's, it's not like, that's like her main, like, thing. Yeah, and you can, you can have camera. her wear whatever you want. So if you don't want to see anything, then yeah, know, give yeah, her a yeah. pair of jeans or some shit. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I agree. She this game kind of blew me away. <laughs> I did say she blew me away. Uh, uh, <laughs> this game definitely blew me away in terms of like what it what what it is. Uh, yeah. I wasn't expecting this at all. I was expecting something a little dumber, um, a little bit you know less. <clears throat> uh, a little less narrative driven. You know, there's a lot of like religious. Uh, things tonally here like eve and adam and zion all that weird stuff on there so i didn't expect that and it's a kind of a self-serious type of game i I thought it would just be silly fun but i am kind of digging the 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 serious tones of of the game and what's going on here i i think that that kind of adds a lot of interesting factors into what this game could be and the combat looks great uh and i think that this game really kind of made me um uh, a believer in, in in what this game could actually be because when it was first announced there was nothing really about it that interested me I saw a little bit more I was like okay this is okay but this trailer really sold me on the game and I think that's what trailers should be doing here uh, and selling people on the game and I this 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 did it in spades I'm really yeah. interested in this I cannot wait to, to get my hands on this game yeah I loved I love the whole premise of it I think the it, it, everything just feels like way m- more than what I thought it was going to be and oh, I'm, yeah. I'm just pleasantly surprised I really am and the yeah, presentation really. is the presentation fits right in with like that PlayStation kind of prestige look in a way too. So it just it fits, it just fits really well, um, and I'm I'm really excited about it. It's it's kind of my yeah, I, you know I don't want to tip my hand. Well, I'll I'll say that for later, uh, but okay. definitely a game I'm very excited to play this year. I will say that yeah, um, but for yeah, sure. What do we got next, man? Yeah, so then we moved on to uh, some Silent Hill updates. Silent Hill, the short message, Shadow Dropped. It's a short first-person horror experience. Uh, and then they moved on and, and, and showed a little bit of uh, Silent Hill 2 remake. They uh, showed the combat trailer for the game. They did not give a release date. Marco, you're the resident Silent Hill fan here. Uh, I know you played a little bit of short message. I don't know if you finished it, but uh, kind of give us some information on, on, on these updates. Oh God, um, yeah. This Silent Hill project um, with Konami, with all the new things they're doing, is it's not going very well. It really isn't. Um, man, it just feels like everything that that's that's coming out with Silent Hill branding right now is in really weirdly rough shape. Um, this short message game, uh, if you can call it that, is this very poor rendition of pt uh but just far worse with a really really grating character uh with a really bad story really bad dialogue really bad voice acting um there's not much of a game to it at all it's really just kind of walking around hallways and corridors and like dilapidated rooms and then getting chased by some random thing it's it's bad there's nothing distinctively silent hill about it so it's just a very confusing and very perplexing game uh, to, to even exist in the first place, free or not. Um, Silent Hill 2. Um, you know, I, there are some things about this remake that I do like. I still like the environmental design. Uh, it needs to be a bit foggier, but it's not bad. It doesn't look like, oh, that, that looks out of place or anything like that. 
but everything else looked really weird, dude. Everything else looked bad. The character looks bad. Uh, his hair looks off. His the shooting sounds bad. The shooting looks bad. The melee combat looks really bad. There's like a button mashing sequence that they showed, which is very PS3, 360 era type of shit. Um, for some weird reason, they kept showing the same scene of him jumping from one one window of a building to another window of a building like three or four times. Like that was like, you know, what we came here for. And the fact that it was like mm-hmm. a combat trailer in and of itself, it's like Silent Hill is yeah. not known for that. That's not that's not what Silent Hill is about. Now, granted, even even this bad looking combat is still an upgrade compared to the original Silent Hill 2's combat, which was atrocious, like admittedly really, really bad. But it just feels like um, the Bloober team is really not the right studio for any any anything this high profile ever again. I, I, they, I agree. I don't know what the infatuation is with getting Bloober Team involved in projects anymore, especially with like licensing out Silent Hill 2 to them. They are not right. a good studio at yeah. this point. They are very... Most of their games, other than the f- very first one they made, which was Layers of Fear, I think. Yeah. The rest of the stuff they've done has been bad. It's been just bad. And it's like the, everything about this looks very bloobery to me. <laughs> it just looks really bloobery. Yeah. So I, I'm... I have to say, you know, one of my most disappointing looking presentations I've seen in in a long time, honestly. Yeah, I about lost it when the main character was doing a QTE, a button mashing QTE to get an enemy off of him. They had no arms. How are you going to you? He ain't got no arms. How are you getting getting dinged up by an amputee? (laughs) <laughs> look i don't have i don't have any kind of uh anything to add to that i'm not really a silent hill fan so i thought when they sh- what they showed looked a little weird i don't think it looked terrible per se but you know a lot of the swinging of, of, of the melee stuff the co- the shooting sounded weird looked weird uh it just it didn't look ready and I, there's no release date so there could be time for them to to fix all those things but yeah. when you look at who's behind it you know the people behind the medium and and mm. and, 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 and games like that that have good ideas but are executed poorly. I wonder if Bluebirds just they'll do they'll do a game for real cheap. Maybe I don't know. I, I there's there's got to be something here with, with, with this team that they just don't seem to have the resources to to do something as grandiose as at and what Silent Hill Two deserves. Uh, but I hope that you know I hope that they can they come around to that and and and, and can deliver something at the very least that's playable and not a complete disaster. But yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, moving on here, uh, they did show uh, Judas. A uh, new trailer was shown, plus more details were revealed from Ken Levine. We play as Judas in the world of Mayflower, a space-faring city that spies on each other. We, we will be able to affect the story in ways you haven't experienced before. No release date, but Take-Two said it will launch by March 2025 at the latest. What do you think? Uh, this looks really good. You know, uh, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of Ken Levine. Um, or Bioshock games, uh, which is, you know, I know some people are going to be like, what? But, you know, if you're a new listener, hey, it's just not my jam. But um, this looked really interesting to me. I, I have to say, I'm really excited about the premise of the game. I really like the idea of being in a city that kind of spies on each other and kind of, you know, you are being watched in that kind of uh, interesting way and, and what that could imply with, like, um, who you know what the story is about and, and, and what you're supposed to do in terms of the objective and the choices you can make. I think it's all really interesting. Um, 
Kyle Bosman, uh, formerly of Easy Allies, I watched his state of play reaction, and he did make a good point. Um, The slogan of this game feels a little like... I don't know, a little shitty, like fix what you broke. <laughs> like <laughs> what, what did I do? You know what I mean? And I think he's absolutely right. Um, I, I think that's not connecting with me right now. I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to take from that. I don't know why I'm being made to feel bad about something I did wrong when I have no idea what's going on in the game. Um, so that just doesn't feel like it's very well fitting. Uh, and it's a little combative in, in a sense, but I, I think that the game itself, um, looks really cool uh it's definitely very cinematic it's definitely really gorgeous to look at i love the use of color i love the the bioshock style that they brought in the game but i'm hoping that it's not because my my biggest fear is that it's just kind of a reskinned bioshock (laughs) you know um i hope there's more to it than that but it it does kind of look very bioshocky um and so I hope there's a little bit more creativity around that so that it doesn't feel like a spiritual successor, but it feels like it's its own entity, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, Caleb Levine just to me has some explaining to do uh, in that he decided that Irrational Games was no longer going to be a thing because he wanted to wind down and make something smaller and a little bit more personal. And what he ends up making is what looks like just Bioshock 5, a 4 to me. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't understand where he was coming from. I don't know if his ideas or something were grew into something else and eventually he just went back to what he was comfortable with. Uh, I know that a lot of what Ghost Story Games was kind of building their, their reputation off was telling stories that in ways that have never been told before. There is that little blurb here where he says, uh, you know, your choices will affect the story in, in ways you haven't experienced before, which is a vague term to begin with. But in terms of what I'm seeing... I it just looks like more Bioshock, which is great. I love Bioshock. I'm I'm the opposite. Uh, I'm in the opposite end of Marco. I, I love Bioshock, um, uh, uh, and I would love to see more of that. But it's just kind of weird that that he, he he basically had a whole bunch of people lose their jobs so he can go ahead and years later just make <laughs> Bioshock again, uh, which is fucking bizarre to me. But dude, this looks great, and I'm uh, I can't wait to see more of that as as time goes on. Nice. Um, right then we moved on to Rise of the Ronin. The story is described as complex with player choice and deep character relationships. Lots of combat styles plus weapon variety, spears, firearms, swords, flamethrowers, etc. Stand selection, blocking, and time parries were shown in the trailer. Use uh, grapple... uh, Grappling ropes, gliders, and horses for traversal, scaling, uh, and uh, for stylish gameplay, which looked really cool. Kind of looked a little bit like uh, Assassin's Creed meets a little bit of Tears of the Kingdom type of uh, stuff with the gliding. What did you think, Marco? Yeah, you know, it's an ugly-ass game, (laughs) but... Mm It is, uh, the gameplay was really impressive, I have to say. I was really excited about what I saw. Uh, It's got a little Assassin's Creed and Sekiro in it. Uh, It's got a lot of Tenchu vibes. It's got, I don't know if people remember this series, but Way of the Samurai from Mm -hmm. back in the day. Um, I think this is really kind of speaking to me a little bit more than I thought. Um, I don't know if I believe that the story is going to be great. Uh, They're kind of, they seem to be leaning into that, but I, I just... They've never made a great story, in my yeah. opinion. I, I would be surprised if this is the exception. I hope it is, but I just don't believe in that too much. Um, I think it's probably going to be just fine at the end of the day. But if the gameplay is is fun to play with a controller as it looked in that trailer, I think I'm going to have 
a blast with this game. Uh, yeah. And it actually kind of moved up a, a couple of ticks in terms of like some, you know, my most anticipated games of the year. I think it's in that it's in that pocket now. Yeah. Um, even though I wish the presentation was a little bit more, uh, you know, primo, it, it's still a really cool looking game. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit, I kind of disagree. Uh, I, I think gameplay is king. I, I, I don't take that away from that. I think that's the most important thing about any game. But for me, uh, Rise of the Ronin is not visually appealing at all. Its art style isn't enough to love all its poor visual fidelity. Like, it doesn't really look like anything. It looks pretty much like... It looks like a, 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 a early days PS4 game. Uh, it, it just a lot about a lot of the game just doesn't look very good to me, and 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 I I can get behind a game that has good gameplay, but if there's nothing there visually, like I I can I don't know the the, the gameplay better be like fucking top tier, like it better be like flawless, you know? I don't know, man. And it might I don't know because it being, but I, I I question whether or not it'll be something that would be interesting to to play in that if it's open world. Are, is every encounter going to be the fight for your life, the Neo, uh, uh, you know, because they've made that game? Is that going to be what this is? I don't is? think it's going to be a Souls-like anymore. It's, uh, it's, it seems like it's more of a straightforward kind of yeah, game. Yeah, but it has everything from a Souls-like, from the parry system and all that, well, yeah, that, that yeah. stuff. So, I don't know. We'll see if... if if that is... It feels good to play or if it just feels like a... I don't know, like a cheap version of Ghost of Tsushima. I, we, we, I have a lot of questions about this game just because it does look so ugly and 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 a lot of what they showed look cool, but I don't know. It depends on how it actually like feels in hand. So we'll see yeah. when we get there. All right. Uh, Until Dawn uh, was shown yep. here, uh, rebuilt in Unreal Engine Five with new animations, character design, and effects. Adding a new over-the-shoulder perspective and more interactivity. Sound design has been completely overhauled, plus has a new original score. Uh, adding in new story elements to expand upon previously unexplored parts of the story. And it's coming later in 2024. Marco, what do you think? Yeah, I, you know, I know that a lot of people are really down on PlayStation for um, the amount of remakes that they're doing. Um, you know, not too long ago in a previous episode, I, I kind of talked about how remakes are a big part of it's one of their key pillars right now as a company, whether they whether people like it or not. Um, remakes are uh, they might not, they might not be as exciting to hear about as a sequel or a new IP, but there's a demand for them. And they sell well, and um, you know it, it makes sense for PlayStation to continue considering doing them. In this case, there is rumors of there being a motion picture uh, to coincide mm-hmm. with this game, and so I think if you're talking about kind of synergizing the game and the movie together, kind of similar to what they did with the Last of Us remakes with the show, I think it kind of makes sense from that perspective. Um, full disclosure until dawn's one of my favorite games ever uh, it's one of my favorite horror games ever i think it's just masterfully done in so many different ways uh captures oh, the camp of uh the action slasher kind of teenage dumb kids getting you know murdered uh kind of thing it does that so well uh in a way that's really gratifying some really uh really interesting characters some of them you'll hate but you'll love that you hate them um, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think if you if you never played it before, I think you're in for a treat. Um, if you have played it before, I think it, I actually think it's going to be fun to kind of go back and revisit this. So I'm admittedly I'm not as down on this as other people are. Um, I understand that the the concern that the remakes are becoming too uh, frequent and not enough new stuff or sequels are coming. But 
I I I I will say I've all I, I replayed Until Dawn last year. That's how much I love it. And if I had known this was coming, I would have waited because I like the game that much. So I'm personally excited about it, but I understand the criticisms. I do. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I mean, it looks great. Uh, I I play like maybe five seconds of this game uh, when I got a PlayStation. Uh, three. It came out PlayStation Four, no, right? Yeah, four. PlayStation four. four. When I first got a PlayStation Four, I I, I think I. I had bought it on sale, or whatever, and I didn't really get into it. Uh, but I, I, I love everything I'm seeing, and 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 all those upgrades, and and more story, and and all that stuff. I think it's, I think it looks awesome, man. And and that graphic overhaul, the I saw some of the side by sides. It's actually a pretty, uh, a pretty yeah. good upgrade there. So it looks it looks fantastic. Can't wait for that. Uh, so let's move on to some kind of quick hits, some miscellaneous games uh, that were shown here. Zenless Zone Zero was shown. Dragon Dog was two. Uh, was shown Foam Stars, Metro Awakening VR, and Sonic uh, Sonic's Plus. Was it Sonic's Plus uh, Shadow Generations yeah, remake? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, what, what thoughts? What are your thoughts on these games? Yeah, Zenless Zone Zero. Um, you know, I think it looks really cool. Actually, I like how the combat looked. Uh, it is a gotcha game though, so I don't think it's probably going to appeal to me. But I was actually really kind of intrigued about it. Yeah. Dragon's Dogma 2, I, I don't know what it is, but there's a disconnect with me in that game, dude. I don't know what it is. Um, I guess it, it's just, I don't I don't know if I'm really into like fantasy games anymore. Uh, it's starting to really get kind of old to me now. And then finding out it's going to be 30 frames per second and that uh, there's only one save slot. Like, it's just like, what? You know, that just doesn't feel good to me. I don't know if I'm going to play this one, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. I might be in the minority there, but it just doesn't, I don't know. Something is not really looking good about that game for me. Uh, Foam Stars coming soon, uh, very soon actually, on uh, PlayStation uh, Plus. So I'll be trying that out. Um, I don't have any strong opinions about it either way. I'm just going to try it out, see if I like it. Uh, Metro Awakening VR. I'm a Metro fan through and through. Finding out that we're getting a new game only on VR is heartbreaking as fuck. But now, um, the, 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 it's okay. Yeah, the, 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 the director of the game did say. That this isn't a mainline entry to, to Metro Awakening, so that's 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 a relief because I would yeah. feel bad missing out on like really important. Yeah, plot they said beats. don't worry. This, this is a side story that happens before all the games, yeah. and this is in no way shape oh, or form okay. a, a mainline. Well, that's uh, good news. Yeah. yeah, Metro's got one of my favorite stories in gaming. Uh, yeah. Actually, I really love that story, and I would I would be really sad if I couldn't play it because it's VR and you know something meaningful happens. So that's good. And as far as Sonic goes, there's nothing for me at all. I'll be honest, just. Yeah, just kind of was like, I'm oh my god, Sonic. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why it's there. I really didn't know why I was there. It was just like, yeah. ugh. I, I mean, see any more Sonic for a while. <laughs> I think Sonic fans really thought that looked cool. Um, I think Sonic Generations is one of the 3D Sonic games that people really tend to like. Plus the addition of of yeah. Shadow and, and and the remake. So I, you know, I, I happy for the Sonic fans. But I'm just at this point in my life, I'm done pretending Sonic is a good game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, going back to Zelda's Zone Zero. Yeah, I mean it looked cool, but it's it's not a game for me. Dragon's Dogma Two looked great. It's just I don't. I, I, there's something about the animations when it comes to fighting that it just looks really weird to me like it doesn't really look fun to play and i think that's the main mm. issue that i have with it it just doesn't look fun it looks like it's going to be a hard kind of game as well and then the fact that you have all those things going against it already i don't know if i can spend 70 80 90 hours whatever apparently these games are really long and, and doing just kind of 
just sitting there and trying to jump on enemies and and and, and beat them down you know get 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 their hp down it takes me 30 minutes to to to, to whittle <laughs> that shit down that just doesn't seem it's like fun monster to hunter to me you know same yeah. kind of feeling there same reason why monster hunter i i i always want to like those games that i never do because it just never it, it, there's nothing satisfying same. about them for me uh and with you i'm with you marco foam stars is is i'm not out and not saying this game's gonna be garbage but you know i i'm not really you know i don't feel one way or the other about it uh, uh, myself and metro waking you're you're the metro guy i i i've i've always tried to play metro games i've never get through them it's just something about them that i just isn't i, I want to play like a fucking so shooter. shocking too man they're so, they're like fallout they're really i like know fallout. but they're like fallout but but better yeah. I don't know. Well, I don't know about that. No, <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, but it's, it's 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 you know. I I'm glad that it is in the mainline game, so we could see more of that. Uh, but yeah, uh, the 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 state of play closed out with you know the way it should with a fucking bang, um, mm. and that's with Death Stranding two on the beach. Sam and Fragile are back to reconnect more regions of the world, just as Sam did with the UCA. Uh, could take place in Mexico and or South America, it looked like. Uh, they have a new mobile base of operations for a new organization named Drawbridge. Uh, they will be aided by old and new companions, including a sentient puppet, which was running at its own frame rate, which is pretty dope. <coughs> Excuse me. Whoa. Hey, how you doing? Higgs, the villain from the first game, is back, revamped as like a rock star-like faction leader. Uh, you know, I, that looked amazing. Uh, the mm-hmm. gameplay is an evolution of the first. Uh, Death Stranding, deliveries, reconnections, etc. Dynamic weather, destructibility, plus night cycles are now in the game. There might be uh, more combat than the original. Lots of guns shown in Sam's uh, new armory. And it is unfortunately coming in 2025. Barco, take it away. Oh, man. Um... Hideo Kojima might be a lot of things. He might be a Jezebel. <laughs> he might be a fashion icon in his own mind. Um, I don't know what the fuck he was wearing when he was talking about that other thing we'll talk about after this. So many jackets, boy. He looked like he was cold as fuck. But anyway, <laughs> this was an ice cold ass trailer, though. Um, I got to say, man, um, you know, I, I had a love-hate relationship with Death Stranding for a while. I really came around on it last year when I really played it in earnest. And I'm in. I'm sold. I'm sold on this world. I'm sold on this whole weird, wacky, wonky thing that he's doing here. Um, I love what this trailer did in terms of giving you a lot of things to kind of, you know, look at and, and dissect and analyze that's one of the fun things about Kojima's trail is that there's just like these little Easter eggs everywhere. You know, Higgs has the same haircut as, uh, as, uh, Amelie, you know, um, when, uh, what's her name? Fragile was smoking a cigarette and she let, she puffed the smoke out. You can see BTs in the cigarette smoke. Yep. It's just these little details that he does that if you know, you know, and, and that's just hey, kind of George, who he is. George Miller, the director playing the doctor. Yeah. And it looked, it looked cool. Yeah. It's, for some reason, the wacky things he does just 
work. And I think that's what I really was the most taken aback about this time around. Because now I have context. Like, when he was doing this weird trailer shit with the first Death Stranding, I'm like, all right, can you tell me what the game is now, dude? You know, but now that I kind of know what, what it is and what it isn't, now it's like, okay, I can now I can kind of parse the details a little bit better. Now I can make sense of things. Now I can give him the benefit of the doubt, right? So I'm, I'm really happy about that. Um, I, as far as the gameplay being more of like what the first game was in terms of being more of like a Pathfinder kind of game, um, I'm, I'm cool with it. I, 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 I guess that's where the trust comes in now because it's like, I didn't think he was going to do this again, to be honest with you. But if he is, then maybe he has more ideas that kind of he didn't get a chance to execute with the first game. Whereas I kind of thought he had, you know, come up with everything he could, especially with the director's cut, adding in more stuff to do. Um, but I guess he had more ideas in, in, in the tuck that he's bringing into the mix here. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does there. Um, I am hoping it is more combat focused. Um, it does seem to be indicating that when you look at that Sam Sam's armory in, in the ship, it's like, man, that's a lot of freaking guns. No, like, yeah, it, def- it definitely is because he even uh, Higgs even says looks like you trade in that rope for that stick. Mm. Which you know that that whole thing was like the ropes and stick thing from like the first game and and, and yeah. so it definitely looks like it. Yeah, I wonder how much of, delivery there will be. It doesn't look like a know. lot. It's hard to say. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the ratio is going to be at this point now. Um, I have to imagine that you heard some of the criticisms though, like in terms of like okay. Like the pathfinding stuff is great, but we need kind of more balance with other things. Um, the BT sections looked really really interesting. Um, and some of the locations were very like, you know, like there was one of it, like him standing in front of the moon. So there's a lot of surreal stuff going on too. So I think we're in for a tour de force here, um, from a, you know, an artistic standpoint. I just hope that it doesn't get too out of, out of control because Kojima can right. be a little untamed sometimes. And I'm hoping that's not the reason why it's coming out in 2025, that, you know, it's just he can't be wrangled in at all. And it's just the game is growing legs now or something. Yeah. Um, so that's that's my biggest concern at this point. But um, I am bummed it's not coming out this year. But at this point, seeing that trailer, I full benefit of the doubt for now, I have to say. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm there with you. I, I think everything they showed uh, looked amazing. I think a lot of what um, I wanted from a sequel, if they were ever were going to do it, which is a, a little more focus on combat. And, um, I don't know, just a bigger experience. It looks like it's it's firing on all those cylinders, and it looked uh, pretty awesome. So, But, yeah, you, you pretty much covered everything uh, everything that I kind of wanted to cover on Death Stranding, too. Because, I mean, they showed so much, but it, it just... It, it, it's still that weird Kojima ass uh, trailer vibe that I love, and and this one was there. There, you could pick up a lot from this just from the first few viewings. So I'm I'm really interested to see where this goes, and I hope that this game is is uh, is just as good, if not probably better than the first one. So I can't wait for that. But Marco, that's that's not all because we got mm-hmm. an additional announcement, uh, <clears throat> a game that is codenamed Fizzent. Uh, it uh, was revealed by Kojima. He's working on uh, on it, and it is uh, a foray back into his espion- new action espionage IP. For those of you f- not familiar, the action espionage genre is what they call the Metal Gear Solid genre. So, and it looks like it is exclusive for PlayStation. Production will begin after Death Stranding 2 launches. Will be a hybrid of a game and a movie with lots of esteemed collaborations. He describes this project as a culmination of his 38 plus years of work in video games. Uh, Marco, did this do anything for you? 
It's weird. You know, when he announced this part at the end, it didn't really register to me what he was talking about. And it, was all, it wasn't until I was talking to you and you mentioned it. And I'm like, wait, what did he say? And I went back and I, wa- I like rewound back and watched that part. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, that's, I didn't know that he was doing that. And so I'm, um, it's, it's so strange that he's announcing stuff so early. Like, that's kind of one of my takeaways is like, he did the same thing with the Xbox project, OD. Yeah. Um, where it feels like, I don't know if I should really know about this yet, but for some reason he feels confident enough to share what his, his pipeline is going to be. And, you know, as long as he's confident about it, then great. Um, as far as him returning to his roots, um, man, that's, that's so exciting, dude. As, as Metal Gear Solid is my favorite franchise of all time, um, without question. And for him to be going back to um, that genre again, um, now with years more experience, more ideas that he couldn't pull into Metal Gear before he was pulled out of that project, uh, or that franchise, rather. And now he gets to you know bring that to the table with something new. I, I can only imagine what he's going to be doing there. Now, I will say... The movie and game hybrid thing is—I don't know what to make of that yet. It's—he he seems real—he's got a boner for that kind of thing now. I—I never—I never, um, I never so. put any stock in what Kojima says today about a game that's coming out tomorrow. You know, because he has all these ideas and inspirations of things that he's looking at now, yeah. and ultimately, what he usually does is it ends up going to comfort food going back to the things that make him the most comfortable. <laughs> like, Death Stranding is really weird, and the way he talked about it was really weird. And essentially, it's a lot like Metal Gear in a lot of ways. It's less combat, obviously, but in terms of structure, it's very much a Kojima-ass game. So, when he comes to talking about a hybrid of game and movie, of interaction, I, I, I trust that he wants to do that. I just think when it comes down to when he's making a game, he knows what feels good, and I think he reverts back to those to those old ways. And he's done it more than once, and he's promised things mm-hmm. before. So that's why I'm interested about OD, what OD's going to be, because OD seems like the craziest, most different thing that he's ever done. So I wonder how much of a game that is. But, you know, in terms of timeline, I wonder what this in, when that's going to be a thing, because I know that they're working on OD, they're working it's on the this. the first we'll- PS6 title announced. <laughs> yeah, that, that has to be it, or beyond that, like even, you know. But, um, yeah, man, uh, th- I I really liked so far um, everything that he he's shown here in terms of of with Death Stranding and what he has coming in the future. I think that he almost in a roundabout way said that this was his last game. Uh, if, yeah, if I, I mean, like. I don't know. It's hard to say, but it feels like he's definitely looking at the he's looking at the end of his career in some capacity now. I, the way he's talking about the culmination of all his work and blah blah blah, like. It does kind of feel like he's he understands that he can't. I I know he said in previous interviews he wants to like develop games as long as he can, but I think even he's realistic enough to know that you know making these these the three games he's making right now are going to occupy the next ten to fifteen years of his life. Easy, yeah. So, and he's already in you know his I mean? sixties, I think, right? He's about to yeah. Be. He's old. He's old dude. But I mean, you know, his fit is like you know something out of this world though. I don't know, what he's, man. So many jackets. This is the greatest midlife crisis I've ever seen in my life. Um, it's been going on for a couple of years now. I know, man. But uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. You know, uh, shout out to Herman Holst for for being on Kojima's ass about making a game like this again. Uh, and wearing you know, and wearing some cool jackets too. Yeah, he was cold too. Why is everybody so cold? Somebody need to put some heat on in that damn Columbia studio, wherever they were. <laughs> um, 
But nevertheless, man, that is uh, that's kind of the highlights. We didn't cover every single thing there at State of Play, but that was those were kind of the big ones. Um, yeah, man. So you know, with all that out of the way, you know, that kind of brings us to the end of uh, the State of Play, and you know, um, now it's time for kind of our takeaways. We've had some time to to think about things and uh, you know mull over what we saw at the show and kind of let it all sit and marinate with us for a while. So. I think it's time to hand out some grades for this thing, dude. So um, I'm going to give you first dibs here. Tell me what your grade for the show is and kind of walk me through why. Yeah, I, I gave it a B. I think it's a solid B show. I think, you know, they did what they 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 should have done, which is create hype for some of these games, specifically uh, Stellar Blade, creating hype for that, showing the future, what's to come with, with Death Stranding 2 and everything else in between. You know, I, mm. I, I know that a lot of it isn't, and none of it is actually first party, but I don't think that really matters in that a lot of these games are being published by Sony, they're being, you know, directly being helped by Sony in that way, and so yep. they're, Sony's doing the right thing. They, they have a, 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 a down year on first party, so they're going to fill that in with, with their third third-party exclusives and third-party partners to get games out there for the platform to you know to, to give you reason to 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 not be down on playstation this year and i think that they've done a great job my, my only thing is is even though i said all of what i said i i kind of wanted to see a first party game you know not because it needs to be first party it's because i love first party playstation games i wanted to see ghost of tsushima 2 something like that so a little bit of the half knots you know took it down a little bit on the peg but it, it, overall for me i think it's just a solid b show you did exactly what you needed to do i will reserve the a's more for like mind-blowing announcements and things that are you know out of this world but that's where i'm at with with that how about you that's fair yeah um i would actually give the show a b plus um i think i'm going a little high because i'm looking at it from a standpoint of as a state of play i think this is arguably the best one they've ever had um and you know state of plays are typically very erratic and very um abstract in what they show and I think this one felt a little bit more intentional than I was expecting and uh, I was really impressed with a lot of the the things that they did show Um, you know standouts for me were of course uh, Hideo Kojima's two projects Stellar Blade and um, Rise of the Ronin Until Dawn probably the ones that I think really you know made the biggest splash with me personally and I just came away really impressed you know it's it I think when you look at PlayStation, you know, if if this is as dry of a year as it could be with first party exclusives and you have to lean on third parties to kind of carry you through uh, the year, um, either all the way or in part, I don't think you could ask for much better than this, to be to be honest with you, because this isn't even counting Final Fantasy VII Remake, which is going to get its own state of play very shortly. Um, So I, I think that, you know, it might not answer every question that we have about, you know, uh, PlayStation's first party pipeline, but, and, I, and that is concerning and I'm not playing that down whatsoever. I'm, I'm very, very, um, very impatient about that now. Like I want to know what they're doing, Marco. but it, but this is still important and I think it still matters. Brooklyn, what they're doing with the second half of PlayStation is they're going to have Starfield. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, Pablo, don't do that. Why you do that? Listen, it, it, yeah, that's actually a very fucking valid point, though. Look, as I, much I, as I, I laugh at it, it's like, now if this is true, now what does PlayStation have to worry about now? As I've been sitting here, there's been more news. The Verge said that they... The, the batch of games that are going to come out are going to surprise a lot of people. One specific game is Indiana Jones. seems to be coming out in December for Xbox. 
and will come out on PlayStation Five a few months after that. So, <laughs> so it, oh my it, god, it seems like um, you know two oh. ways that we they kind of leaked the, the the release date for Indiana Jones which should be in December, and then uh, a few months after that, that's what we're getting. So PlayStation ain't gotta do jack shit because if you know when you when you proposed this question, my thing was like I don't know what PlayStation is gonna do in the second half of the year. I, I hope that you know they surprise us with a first party game. You know, again, I'll say Ghost of Tsushima, love that. Well, maybe a part two of that. Uh, but no, it doesn't seem to be the case. It seems like what they're doing instead is um, just waiting it out, seeing what Xbox is gonna give them. <laughs> oh my god, dude! But you know, look, I mean, even if this wasn't a thing i still think that um you know i'm i come away from this quite happy with what playstation's got in the cards this year um even games that we didn't see at the show um like pacific drive i'm starting to really get interested in they did have a trailer for helldivers 2 uh at the very top of this event i'm probably gonna buy that day one uh the more i see that game the more interesting it looks to me yeah actually and i and y'all heard me you might have heard me when it first got shown i'm like this looks terrible but the more I've seen in the previews are actually really positive about the game actually too. I like what they're doing with like this, like kind of almost like left for dead with like this. Um, it's like, you know how left for dead had like that, that director in the background that was yeah. kind of, you know, altering things like they're doing something very similar, but on a grander scale with this game too. I don't know, man. It looks like a lot of fun. It's got a lot of Starship Troopers energy. Um, that does. Uh, it's, it's doing things for me. So, you know, me and a good friend of mine, Will, I think we're both going to day one this thing, and we're going to try it out and see if it's any good. And um, But, yeah, it's it's been slowly winning me over. So, I don't know, man. You, you look at the cadence of releases. I think this is the key for PlayStation that I'm really impressed about. You look at January... In February, you have, you know, Grand Blue Fantasy Relink, you have Final Fantasy Rebirth, you have Pacific Drive, uh, you know, I'm probably forgetting one other, oh, Helldivers 2, of course. Then in um, March, you have Rise of the Ronin, and then a month later, you have uh, Stellar Blade. So, and then in, in January, you had uh, The Last of Us Part Two Remastered. So January, February, March, and April all have this really nice flow of releases for PlayStation that even though they're not first-party titles... They're giving you a reason to turn on your your, your console um, for games that you can't play anywhere else, at least for a while, uh, p- potentially, or for you know permanently, like Stellar Blade or something like that. Um, so I'm I'm kind of impressed about that, you know. Uh, but it doesn't change the fact that I want to see more first party offerings. Of course, I just didn't expect to see Ghost of Tsushima because that just has too much in common with Rise of the Ronin, and that would have cannibalized Rise of the Ronin, and that wouldn't have looked good. So well, I think we'll exactly- probably see that. I think we'll see that probably at the PlayStation Showcase. Like that's I exactly right. I, I did have that thought process. Probably the reason they didn't show it is because they didn't want. It's probably too similar, and they wanted to give that game a oh, fair yeah. shake. Makes total exactly. sense. Yeah. So you know, we kind of alluded to it, Pablo. But the last question I want to kind of talk about now that we hit, know what we know about the state of play, we saw the direct from Xbox, and now we're, we're getting all these rumors uh, in real time about Starfield and Indiana Jones and XYZ. How do you view this year's matchup between PlayStation and Xbox right now? Um, and that's a very, very open question, but I kind of want you to run with it however it's, it speaks to you. I mean, I, I will say, uh, to be clear, is nothing besides Death Stranding 2, but we're talking about games releasing this year, nothing shown in the state of play has, got, has me as hyped as I am for Indiana Jones. So in that sense, I am uh, more excited for th- that game 
more than any other game, but you have to be realistic and look at the situation here. And Hellblade 2 can turn out to be a phenomenal experience and 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 be a great game, um, sure. But you know, I have too many questions about Avowed, and you know, the perception of what Xbox is going to be doing this year with the announcements that they'll make, with what their strategies is going forward. And then on the other hand, you have you know PlayStation a little bit more, a little bit being a little bit more traditional with their things. So it just it feels like right now as it stands. When you look at them and how they match up this year, PlayStation has a leg up on them. What, regardless of how I feel about specific games that Xbox has coming, PlayStation has more. And it's not more about quantity over quality. PlayStation has more quantity but quality titles, at least from what we're seeing from the previews here. And so I'm, I'm excited for, for, for both, but I do think that PlayStation overall, with that vacancy in the second half, and I'm sure it's not going to go you know, empty. They're, they're going to fill it with something, anticipating that and, and everything they have going on in the first half of the year. Uh, it just feels like PlayStation has a leg up on, in terms of what, what could be, which is great for them because this is a year that potentially could have zero first-party releases. And, and this is Xbox's year to take over and finally be the, the, the Xbox everybody wanted them to be. And now we're getting news that this is the year they announced their party uh, strategies. So it's, 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 it's weird, but yeah. Um, you know, look, uh, I don't want to be too, um, wordy about it, but I will say, you know, um, this is a very, um, it's a very, very pivotal part, uh, I think we're heading up to of, of like a turning point in the world of console gaming. Um, Nintendo is months away potentially from releasing a brand new console and taking the world by storm like they always do. Um, PlayStation has been taking the world by storm like they always have been, um, you know, with some up and down years, of course, along the way. But I think the matchup with them and Xbox is um, kind of not feeling like a matchup anymore. Um, it's it's starting to feel like Microsoft is positioning Xbox to be like almost like the Windows OS, where you can you can get it on a Windows made device or you can get it on an Acer, you know, <laughs> and, and that's kind of how it feels like they're heading in, in, in terms of the strategy of Xbox. And I think that, I think that Microsoft sounds to me like they're done trying to be a direct competitor in that sense with PlayStation. I think they are kind of, to me, it feels like they're bending the knee and saying, y'all got this thing. We're still going to make consoles. We still care about that market. We still want to be a part of that market, but we're not going to keep trying to exclusive our way out of the corner that we're in anymore. Um, and that's going to be a very controversial decision. Um, and I think that that's going to make the matchup this year between the two very, very interesting to see unfold. Um, and I'll be honest, I expect a, <laughs> a decent exodus of, of people that are, you know, very you know, diehard Xbox fans kind of going, all right, I'm kind of done, you know, uh, and I'll be the first one to admit, you know, even I'm kind of looking at my Xbox now and I still enjoy using it and playing it. My daughter loves it. It's still a fun machine to have, but, um, you know, if I had to do the, the gun to the head, yeah, yeah, yeah. one got to go thing, PlayStation ain't leaving my house, man. I, you know, and I, and I, and like I said, I love Xbox. I love Xbox to pieces. I really do. I love, I loved them even during their darkest times, but it's getting to a point where understanding the value proposition, 
outside of just hearing about Game Pass is just not working right now for me. And with this new rumor picking up steam that Indiana Jones is coming, Starfield's coming, we don't know where the buck is going to stop with this whole third-party strategy. And at, yeah. at a certain point, what is the point of having an Xbox if I can have a console that gives me the best of PlayStation and the best of Xbox for one price? Yeah. Tom- Sorry. Yeah, Tom Warren has said that um, that Xbox will still have exclusive titles, but as of right now, games like Indiana Jones, Starfield, Hi-Fi Rush, those games are definitely being planned on multiple consoles. But that 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 Xbox will still have a exclusive amount of games, but we'll see how that what that parlays yeah. into. Well, we'll stay on top of it, like we always do. We'll report on it and uh, we'll give our two cents along the way. But yeah, very uh, interesting. Uh, on-the-fly development that happened this week on our show, but uh, we rolled with the punches like we always do, so hope you enjoyed this uh, for sure. Uh, if you happen to enjoy it, what I would enjoy is if you are okay with unbiased coverage that calls it down the middle, and you don't have a, uh, a raging anger problem anytime you hear something that you don't like, uh, we might just be the show for you. Uh, so subscribe to us if you're so inclined. Uh, we really appreciate it. If you don't want to, you don't have to. Don't worry about it. We're not going to be but hurt about it. Uh, but nevertheless, we appreciate your time for reaching it all the way to the end of the episode here with us. Uh, so thanks for listening. Uh, we will see you next week. Enjoy your games and take care. Bye.